Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Trap Draw Podcast. My name is Randy. I am joined today by my guy, TC, Tron Carter. Uh, TC, we were, we were traveling the world, getting into all kinds of stuff, which I want to talk to you about. But first, how are you? Good afternoon. Uh, hello to TC. I'm great. I'm great, Randy. I'm more concerned about how you are. Uh, it's big, big, big uncharted territory here for you. Super Bowl week. Of course. Of course. I, it hasn't really, you know, set in, I don't think. Um, we have a third guest this week, a man who may not need any introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. Mr. Bob Sturm. Uh, he is of 1310 The Ticket in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex area. He is a writer for The Athletic. Um he is my favorite Liberty University graduate. What else, Bob? Um, he is a father to a student at Texas A&M, trying to keep them out of the A&M cult. Uh, have I missed anything here, Bob? How are, how are you today? I am great, gentlemen. What an honor to be invited back. This is exciting. Um, it's just it's great to see your faces. This is a good day. Awesome. Uh, Bob, you are out on Radio Row in Los Angeles. I can't wait to ask you about that. But before we do, TC, we got some current events percolating uh, this week, as always, which I want to run through. We're, we got to touch on some of the NFL coaching carousel goings on. Um, got to ask Bob about some NBA stuff, and then we'll get into the Super Bowl. So how, how does that sound for an agenda? Sounds great. All right. All right. Um, robust, robust agenda today. It, 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 <laughs> yes, it is robust. Let's start here. TC, did you pull anything out of the water down in uh, the Bahamas? Uh, the group did. I, I didn't. Uh, I was more just just on a sightseeing jaunt. <laughs> uh, one of the guys in the group just speared a bunch of fish, which was great. Uh, we went, we went spear fishing and snorkeling. I'm not good at either. So I was more of a spectator, uh, you know, kind of participant. Uh, but yeah, we went down to Eleuthera and, uh, what a, what a wonderful Island. It was fantastic. What, so, you're not good how about at, you? You were, you're not good at snorkeling. What does that even mean? How, how can you not be good at snorkeling? I'm good at going you, you under, look at fish. I mean, first of all, like, you know, you get down there and you think shit's going to pop out of the coral at you. Uh, I just can't breathe through the snorkel. I, I, mm. I can't breathe out through the snorkel. It just messes with my sinuses and, and everything. So, uh, one of the guys we were with, he's like a trained free diver. Oh, so wow. he, he was going down, you know, 20, 30, 40 feet. Uh, which okay. I can go down like six feet and then I freak out. Yeah. I've often thought I was a gifted snorkeler, Tron. Um, but, I, but I will admit I'm not leaving the surface too much. I'm just good at like looking at fish and just chilling and uh, getting sunburn on my back. So I love to snorkel. It's number one attraction whenever I go anywhere with uh, the clear water. But the advanced snorkeling of the dude who seriously goes down 60 feet and grabs a shell or something. I I've, I've never graduated to that. Yeah. And it was, you know, we did some bone fishing too. We did a little golf down at Jack's Bay. Uh, but it was, you know, I'm the guy that I get down there five feet and I'm 
I'm a few feet from a barracuda and I just like freak out. I lose my shit. So, you know, it's fun though. Yeah. yeah. Bob, I didn't have you for a big snorkeler. That's great. We're, we're going to peel back the onion today. Snorkeling <laughs> is the best. I, couple times you try scuba but that's a little more stressful but the yeah. snorkel the snorkel is the way to chill and enjoy it <laughs> yeah that's fantastic uh randy you were you had a big weekend big weekend tc we went up into the mountains got four days of skiing in at steamboat it was uh it was excellent what a what a wonderful town steamboat springs is yeah um just a a throwback uh small ski town um, first time I'd visited the mountain, good mountain, you know, the, the thing that they're struggling with TC, we're not getting much snow out here. The, uh, the locals I thought you were, got dumped on after, uh, after new year's that's the steamboat has not had a big snow since the first of January. And yeah. we've gotten a, a couple in Denver, but I guess it hasn't really hit steamboat that hard. So all the locals were bemoaning the snow conditions. I actually thought it was for the most part, it was fine. We got a dusting one night, which added a couple inches, which was great. Um, Steamboats normally got the got the good good powdery stuff, similar more similar to Utah than the rest of Colorado. Yeah, they like uh, to hang their hat on that champagne powder, which you know. Yeah, I guess I got. A I little... tend to like Steamboat. It's it like how it's set apart from the town, like the the yeah. mountain and the town are separate. There's a cool little hill right next to the town too, right there. The public hill. Uh, yeah. It's sweet. It's like they the have uni. a ski jump too. They have like yeah. a, a ski jump and um, it's, yeah, it's, it's very cool. So a few really good days up there. Uh, you know, just the ski culture. I was, it's just really nice. You know, nobody really cares about anything. You, you have a long days outside, you get tons of sunshine. You're always like that best kind of tired in the evening. So, um, was, was a great way to relax and recharge. I fell, but no catastrophic falls. I managed to avoid that, which was good. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah. You grew a beard. I I grew a beard. You know, I've had this beard going since before the Bengals first playoff game. So it's turned into a playoff beard too. Oh, nice. Shout out to the NHL, right? Exactly. So I'm, I'm waiting until after the super bowl to, to shave it. Um, but yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be talking to you two. Big goings on. Bob, let's start here. What was your reaction with the news of the Islamic State leader getting killed? Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Qurashi. I'll be honest. I generally look to you guys to kind of clear that stuff up for me, but it, it seemed it seemed positive given the uh, general tone of those delivering the news to us. It felt like something we should be pretty hyped about on a weekday. I know Randy was was out firing his pistol out in the streets of uh, Steamboat when he heard, you yeah. know, special operations getting getting the job done. Love, yeah. love to hear it. Yeah, generally positive news. I would think it's always nice <laughs> to get get the bad guys. Um, uh, well, on a lighter note, how about Bob? I got a ton of internal flack, I guess, for the the merger of Spirit and frontier airlines they're, they're right. merging to create what's going to be the pending merger pending right. which is going to yeah, be we'll the, see what the government has to say about it the fifth largest u.s airline bob for the record what's your airline of choice and have you ever flown on frontier or spirit or spirit uh, uh 
Airline of choice is uh, is is hub uh, centric, and so if you live oh, if, God, if you live bad. in Dallas, I mean, what what are you going to do? You're going to fight uh, the the rushing waves of uh, the tides. Uh, you just can't do it. So I'm uh, Team American over here, uh, j- just absolutely stacking miles on top of miles, and uh, just uh, just an honor and a pleasure to. Uh, to uh, fly under that, ba- you know, run, run under that banner, which also funds the uh, local stadium or the arena. And, uh, you know, we're just, we're just all American here in uh, North Texas. What about it? Southwest? What about, so, what Southwest, about Southwest is great. I don't want to be, I, I don't want to be too elitist here, Tron, but the whole seat <laughs> assignment thing, uh, it's not necessarily for me. I, I do love bags flying for free, but, uh, but uh, the general hassle and, uh, and sort of, uh, um, elbow room or the, the, the box out, like, you know, back in the basketball days, I don't mind fighting for a rebound. I don't need that in my flying experience as much. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, I just kind of want to know that I can board the plane at any point and be okay. So, uh, so I guess I, I probably roll more American than Southwest, but in a pinch we'll, we'll do Southwest. Uh, they're good people. And I'm uh, with you on Southwest. I'm yeah. with you on, I think there's just, there's too much going on. There's anxiety with having yes. to check in at a certain time. Uh, but I will say sometimes with American, you don't even get the, the opportunity to board the airplane. <laughs> That's true. That's true. The, the, uh, we, so we were flying Southwest for a while at, for the station where we go places and, uh, it turned into this ridiculous, set your phone for 24 hours yeah. out so you can bang the boarding pass things. So you get that a, you know, and you never can. So it's like, you're the best you can do is like B 20. Uh, but uh, the guy who forgot is like C 66 or something like that way down at the end. You're kind of laughing at him, but I don't need that, man. I don't need that at all. There's enough stress in just making sure the planes land and uh, take off on time. And then uh, did have one experience with frontier. And I would just say as a general rule, I'm, I'm probably uh, going to just, uh, mega dittos, whatever Tron has been saying about uh, the, oh, the no, discount I airline that. scene. Oh no! Uh, I, I, I think I we don't agree on everything, but we might agree on this one. Randy, Randy's a big Frontier guy. He flew them a few times when he was I've, down here in Jacks, and just like wouldn't shut up about how good his experience was. He loves the a la carte pricing. Love yes, it. yes. Well, to your point, I, you know, unlike Southwest, if I want that seat the exit row or the bulkhead, I, I buy that on frontier, right? I lock it in. Um, right. And they were the only airline running directs from Jacksonville to Cincinnati. Bob, it was, it was a wonderful experience. I cannot speak highly enough of frontier. Well, Bob, I think, I think Randy needs to, you know, he's got some, some learning to do because he's trying to fight the hub. Yeah. Yes. You know, well, good uh, luck on that. Yeah. He's still, he's still loyal to Delta, even though he's living in, in, in a United hub, which is going to be, a pain in the ass for him over the next couple of years. Yeah, you can't marry yourself to that. But if you are looking for an airline that specializes in Jacksonville to Cincinnati nonstops, you found your you found your team. So exactly. that's a beautiful thing. But then you yeah. moved. And I think they actually may have discontinued some of the flights too, which was tough. Um, <laughs> tough to fill those up. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a ton of traffic. Um, I will say, you know what I've noticed from, about being a Delta guy in Denver is much more likely to get the upgrades uh, with with delta because everybody's going united i'm kind of yeah. zigging when everybody's zagging which that's good you know i sometimes that's similar I, to what i did here randy like i was, I was zagging 
a little bit <laughs> here because everybody's a Delta guy here. So I went United. So now, you know, listen, I feel that. Yeah. Sometimes I have a layover where I could have flown direct on United, but that's it's all cost benefit. You but know? you got upgraded. Exactly. You got but upgraded more for your layover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Bob, what's your what's your what's your feeling on the Russia Ukraine <laughs> stuff? Break uh, it down for us. I would say a little nervy is is my general view. I'm just I'm, I'm concerned. I am on full alert. But uh, beyond that, I, I'm just hoping everybody resolves this uh, in good spirits. It seems like it seems like the <laughs> Ukraine is trying to trying to uh, turn the temperature down there. You know, the, I, I that was the latest I read, TC. Do we do we have any new news coming out of out of the Ukraine? I, I thought their leader was like, listen, let, let's not escalate. You know, this isn't as big of a threat as maybe some of the rhetoric is making it out to be. Uh, what, what's your read there? TC? I, I mean, I, you know, to Bob's point about uh, good spirits, I think Putin's probably in pretty good spirits right now <laughs> about it. Uh, you know, I, there's some Twitter accounts I follow that just basically show the Russians like, you know, amassing all this stuff, basically sending every bit of arms. It sounds like once the, you know, once the ground thaws, it's, it's game on. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, you might take Russia in this, Randy, but just remember the Klitschko brothers are, uh, are, are there for Ukraine. So just keep that in mind. I think that's important for, for Putin to remember as well. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't think anybody's really looking for something to, to pop off, you know, in, in Eastern Europe slash, slash Russia. That doesn't seem like it'd be good for anybody. So. No, we don't need this. No, no. Everybody calm down. Speaking of popping off, uh, you're – your, your your friends in St. Louis, Randy, the uh, McCloskey couple. All right, Bob. Uh, do you know who the McCloskeys are? I don't think I do. They were the they were the couple that were waving oh, the, the, the guns. guns. Okay, yeah, good. yeah. All yeah. right, all right. They're uh, very famous. What's going on with them? Well, we thought we were really excited. We thought they were we thought they were going to get got. We had read a headline that they, I guess they're both lawyers, and I thought that the Missouri State Supreme Court had revoked their law licenses uh indefinitely but as it turns out i guess that is the case tc but the actual judgment has been stayed so it's like actually nothing is going to happen is that right or it's just kind of like probation yeah Yeah, i think it's probably the best case scenario for them right they you know they get the punishment but then it gets stayed so they they don't like nothing actually happened and they can't get tried again so were there only two potential professions for them lawyer or real estate broker of some sort. Those were the only two possibilities, right? I could see him running like a little midsize insurance outfit, you know, yeah. s- selling home car, maybe bundle. Maybe uh, arms dealer as well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the woman had that, that tiny little pistol. Be too obvious the, probably. Yeah. Know, the uh, automatic rifle. If, if you're looking for a good Halloween costume with the misses, uh, my uh, Tron and I, our, our friend Scott, uh, he and his wife in St. Louis dressed up as that couple, like the Whoa. first Halloween afterwards. And That's it was awesome. It was one of the best costumes uh, I've, I've seen. The execution was just brilliant. So um, the McCloskey's always have a special place here on here on the trap draw. Um, TC, this is this is literally breaking across the wire right now. Liz Warren uh, is spearheading a bipartisan bill to outlaw stock trading for members of Congress. Bob, on the record, should stock, should Congress people be allowed to trade on insider information? 
I mean, absolutely not, gentlemen. There's just there's 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 too many cases of impropriety. We don't need that on our Senate floors or in the House or anything like that. It's it's a part of the public trust that has been violated for way too long. I, I, I think uh, while we may disagree on various things on this planet, I'd like to think the three of us right here can put our hands in the middle and just uh, sort of pledge that uh, we're all in, in agreement here on this one. Amen. I think the American 100%. people, I, I think it's the biggest bipartisan no-brainer that might exist today. Even Pelosi's come out in support of it, uh, you know, and I'm not sure if you've seen the, the uh, Twitter account that tracks all of uh, Nancy and her husband's stock trades, but uh, yeah, that's shocking that she's even coming around on it. I know. I feel like it's just optics, right? Like, how could you come out against it? It's... yeah. And I just want to say, Tron, your Twitter experience just by that anecdote sounds horrible. So I just, <laughs> I just, I, I would like to uh, get you some Twitter I'm, help. I'm dipping my, I'm dipping my toe into all sorts of crazy shit on Twitter, left and right, all of it, man. I can't do it. Can't Bob, do it. Well, Bob, we'll get into your Twitter experience. You're like breaking down, you know, second and three run situations for the Dallas Cowboys. It seems like is yeah. that and absolutely riding for Mike McCarthy. <laughs> oh, here we go. It's on, baby. Uh, it's a, we'll get there. We'll get okay. there. It's a living, guys. You know, you gotta gotta stay, gotta keep feeding uh feeding the uh the college funds, you know? Sure, sure. TC, I'm seeing a note here about the Chinese hypersonic weapon scientists that defected yeah. to the US. No, nothing to say there other than we're tracking it. I guess the CIA and MI6 got a hold of him because he's a big cricket fan. So they, they kind of got in his good graces there. So we're, nice. we're tracking that. We'll follow up in future episodes on that. I know you okay. want to talk about the Auburn coaching situation. Well, I wanted Arson. to ask, exactly. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask Bob if that's a, you know, does, does the, the traditional SEC, has that bled into the Metroplex area yet? I mean, with oh, yeah. Texas and Texas A&M. Yeah, what's, what's, what, are you, what are you hearing about the Auburn coaching situation? Well, it's, uh, it sounds very chaotic. It sounds like a matter of time. And uh, it's, it's uh, kind of funny. Uh, I don't know how much is substantiated at the moment, but it's perfect for your, your college football coach uh, uh, scandal. Um, I think it started with uh, extremely hot opinions on uh, all matter of uh, COVID activities when he was first hired down there, which is a, which is a good jumping off point in the SEC. And uh, then from there, it's, uh, it's probably not winning enough. And then uh, you triple down with bringing an intern with you from Boise and uh, perhaps, perhaps we're home wrecking here. I don't know, but uh, uh, you know, honestly, it all comes back to the simple question of, are you winning enough? And if you're winning enough, we can uh, sweep whatever, uh, uh, you know, uh, under the table. And we can say that uh, the haters are just hating our school and we can circle the wagons around our coach who let's be honest, he just has needs. But, uh, but uh, if he's not winning enough, this is our chance to get out from this millstone coach mm-hmm. and go find somebody. And we need any means necessary. So let us now, uh, sound the alarms that maybe this intern from Boise wasn't as good an idea as it seemed uh, on on uh, paper. It's also it's so Auburn, right? I mean they're 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 already paying eighteen. They're currently paying eighteen million dollars to Malzahn. Yeah. Still, right. uh, the uh, Harson's wife looks like a complete you know just looks like a whole scene in and of herself. And then you add this this uh, this uh, intern. Uh, it, it, God, it's delicious. It's just so Auburn. 
it's very SEC. What what what's gonna happen though with so the SEC SEC football right when when you bring in Texas you bring in Oklahoma like this idea of Bob you said you know he's not winning enough is I, I looked towards the future of the SEC and like who who is ever gonna win enough to satisfy these fan bases in, in the future nobody and. Save it. But even Saban, you know, one, Saban's old, so, you know, he's not going to be coaching that that much longer. But I, I just feel like, are they just going to run through coaches every two to three years? Or are they going to accept, like, going nine and three? Like, I, ju- I feel like this is going to be the breaking off point for major college football from the NCAA. Like, they're, because none of these schools are going to win enough to, right. to, to make, a, you know, they're not going to go 11 and one to make the playoff necessarily. So I, I feel like they're headed towards their own like tournament or, or whatever that might be. Okay. I think you just hit on something wonderful though, because we deal with this in the NFL all the time. And I deal with this with Cowboy fans all the time. And it's the simple idea that these idea, these, these dreams, these fantasies, these, uh, uh, this, this Nirvana, we all seek as a football group or whatever team we cheer for in no way does it actually mesh with the mathematic possibilities of any of this actually happening. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is if, if, you know, everybody believes that five, a five-year drought is too long between titles, but there are 32 teams or in college football's case, who knows how many actually believe they're blue bloods or heavyweights yeah. or everyone to say, there's just no mathematical way for everybody to win 10 games but everybody wants to win 10 games and demands 10 games and wants our coach fired. And so we have our logic, which is absurdly fueled by delusions of what level we are, you know, and it's all, it's like golf. If you, if you break 80 once, now you consider yourself the guy who breaks 80, even though it happened on a career day that you can't duplicate. And uh, in, in college football, it's the same way. If you win 11 games one year because you had Cam Newton or Johnny Manziel or whatever, all these teams are like, oh, well, now we're 11 te- win program. We'll just right. r- roll out. We now, that's now our break even point. And so, so it's absurdity at its finest. It's, it's, uh, it's basically the Instagram experience that uh, we all have about what a normal day is for people <laughs> when we see their best vacation meal that, that we assume that that's how they live. That's what football fans are real are like in real life. As you try to explain to them, it's mathematically impossible for this to happen. I thought you were going to spin that into a, a, a defense of, of stinky Dak. <laughs> no, no, let's have that was coming. I want a frank dialogue on, on Dak with you. Uh, this has right. been a long time coming. We need to get into that. Uh, we will. We will. Okay. Well, what do you think is going to happen then with if, if, if you put your prognosticator cap on, like, where do you see NCAA college, I guess, big time college football, power five college football headed? Um, I, I, I think the, the problem with all of this is that it's all built on the maximization of the dollar, right? So the reason Oklahoma and Texas are joining the SEC is not that it helps them win more. It's that it helps them make way more money. And when that is the driver of your decisions, you have to understand um, that that's putting you in less beneficial winning situations where you are going to have a hard time winning as often. 
but you are going to the grand stage where you won't care because your streets will be paved with gold because you can't believe we have so much money at this school anymore. And so, yes, we are moving fast towards super conferences. And the question, as you, you put it, you know, will the NCAA even have a seat at the table or will we just wander off onto our own with the top 40 programs. I mean, it's just like what the English premier league just tried to do is just break off Mm -hmm. into a super league Mm -hmm. and we'll all get all the money, but we're all going to play each other all the time. And in every single game ever played, there's a winner and a loser. So if the eight best teams all branch off and play each other constantly, you're going to have a number of 500 teams and everyone's going to be mad and they're going to fire everybody. And they're going to, you know, so it's, it's, it's actually the fast track to madness guys. Yes. Yes. We're trying to set up sports. We're trying to have this elite champagne room where uh, where only the finest can go. But then we're expecting that our team will be undefeated at this elite level. We're only there's no more cupcakes on our schedule because we kicked them all out because they're bad for revenue. So it's this push pull of insanity that really, truly, the bankers aren't going to care or the uh, the the financial people at all these schools. But coaches are going to be fired more often with with, you know, again, back to England. There's a reason why, you know, Arsenal can have four managers in four years and, uh, you know, Chelsea and the, the, so because the expectation is absurd that we will be the best club on the planet every year. Texas seems like they've already been living in this this kind of ecosystem. Like they've already had all the money. They have unrealistic expectations and they tend to underachieve every year. So like, this isn't going to be anything new for them. No, no. no. And, 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 and frankly, nobody is willing to say their expectations are unrealistic. It's only the people on the outside, everybody inside is just like, this is, this is our birthright. Daryl Royal wanted this for us. And so, yeah, every, every school has its own set of unrealistic expectations. They just don't know if they're unrealistic because they're all living in the career high day that it should be now our norm. Well, and that's why I, I, Texas for exactly for why you said, Tron, like it, it, that doesn't fascinate me. What fascinates me is Oklahoma and whether they can move into the SEC and, and kind of sit one B alongside Alabama, or if they're going to all of a sudden experience like, Hey, you know, you guys are going to go like eight and four every year. And right. that fan base is not used to that at all. Uh, and also you don't have any regional rivalries anymore. Like you're not playing half the schools that you're used to playing right. anymore. And, and that's fun. That's bragging rights in your neighborhood or whatever. Like, no, now you're playing Florida or South Carolina or, you know, well, if is- it tur- I mean, if it turns out though, that they're playing Texas and Texas A&M and Arkansas and LSU, you that's, can see it almost gets back to the big eight uh, in, or in the way. Southwest conference. Or the or, so- or, yeah. 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 The South- yeah. And, and so that's cool. The question though, there for, if I'm Oklahoma, uh, especially is, do I have the ability to match dollar for dollar with big oil that's funding the NIL Texas schools? I mean, when, when, when this whole thing changed and obviously a lot of people um, are, are assuming Texas A&M uh, only got recruits because uh, they backed up a truck of money. And, <laughs> and, and, and I've, I've been a Texas A&M enthusiast for as long as my freshman year daughter <laughs> has been there. So I, I don't want to act like I am uh, going to go to the mat for them, but yeah, of course, of course they have a financial advantage and of course they're using it and they should be able to pretty much run people, you know, completely out of the conversation, except Texas, Texas has the exact same advantage. And Mm -hmm. so if this really means something, I would think the powers 
who do not enjoy that same thing, although who even knows what's around the next corner, but could Oklahoma just as easily head towards the path Nebraska has been on in the last 20 years, as opposed to just, you know, chasing down Alabama, which I'm sure most of their loyalists think is, uh, is, is a matter of time. And, and do you think Saban's getting a little uncomfortable because Alabama doesn't have the, the, the big, big money. I don't think, right. They don't have the Texas oil money. They don't have like, you know, I Southern cows is sleeping giant, right. Because of the, the alumni and yeah. all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, what school has the, the biggest, broadest, most, uh, you know, financial, financially lucrative alumni base. Um, it well, seems like no, Alabama is more built for how football used to be. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, if it's, if it's, based on like the riches from natural resources, I agree with you. The math that I don't know, and I don't know anybody could know is like, okay, if I'm Oklahoma, you know, as somebody who lives an hour from Oklahoma, what do I hear about from Oklahoma over and over and over again? Well, it's these casinos and, you know, between casino money and crypto money and just everything that's out there, who knows what colleges can just do a deal with somebody for a little patch on their Jersey that, yeah. that, that basically funds them like Real Madrid and Barcelona have been funded for all these years. And, and, you know, into the future, who did Barcelona just sign a deal with that was Spotify, uh, Spotify. I mean, yeah. who knows what, I mean, we, we really don't know uh, other than the bit most important person at these universities might soon be like the fundraisers who can hit these big companies for some sort of sponsorship partnership that completely goes to NIL uh, national signing day money. What if, what if Harvard and Yale become like, you know, big time, right. Uh, like sports it, it, powerhouses. If they wanted to, they NIL. could, yeah. if they wanted to, they absolutely could. They'd yeah. have to I relax just don't understand the admissions. NIL, like, how is it? I guess how's the money trickling through? Like, does there have to there has to be a deliverable um, for these athletes? As far as hey, like you're showing up at a commercial, or you're doing a promotional appearance of some sort. I I, I wish we knew to be honest. I mean, Texas pretty much had that above board public deal with offensive linemen for like fifty grand a piece for whoever committed to them. But for every one that we know about, are there? 10, 50, a hundred that we don't know about. And, and do they even funnel through the school or is there a, is there another entity that pairs, you know, I've always thought this about like um, the leagues in, in, you know, that have a real strict salary cap uh, in, in pros. And, and, and so what keeps Jerry Jones with all of his, you know, shell businesses and all of his ventures outside of football from funneling money to a player or a coach that doesn't go through NFL salary cap accounting. I, I mean, honestly, who could, who could possibly ever say when, you know, Nike or uh, Under Armour gives Steph Curry all this money mm-hmm. that it doesn't somehow originate with the team owner saying, I can make this deal happen for you. And, and it's, you know, just, it's part of your earnings for being part of our organization. I, I think that could funnel all the way to co- colleges now. Well, a couple of things there, like, you know, like, A, I know like agents are doing a lot of these NIL deals for kids. And then there's, you know, there's stuff on the back end of that of, hey, we're going to get you this deal and this deal and this deal when, when you turn pro. The other thing is like, the, I think the only two examples I can think of as far as circumventing a salary cap or, or some sort of 
you know, spending is, uh, was it Joe Smith that the Timberwolves? Yes, that's Timberwolves right. or the Bucks. Yeah. They, yeah. And they got, they got like, you know, they got the hammered. NBA threw the book at them. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then it seemed like there was something down in Miami with uh, David Beckham's crew down there. They were, they were trying to do something similar with uh, MLS. Oh, wow. And they got, and they got nuked. So, <laughs> really? Okay. I didn't know yeah. that one. I got, yeah, I got to think it's one of those things like if you get caught, it's not going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I just want to say again, I, I don't think we can say it often enough on the trap draw how, um, how, truly awful the leadership from the NCAA has been on all of this over 100%. the last few decades. I mean, what, what, a what a absolutely awful organization and, and leadership group. Well, I mean, and that's, that's really interesting to me because we're, we're right here not to jump all over the place, but we're right here with another baseball work stoppage. We, yeah, we don't jump all over the place here, Bob. Let's keep it. Yeah, no, that's keep true. It very I, much between I, I, the... I did not review the agenda properly, <laughs> uh, but, but you're right with the NCAA or with uh, the owners versus the players in any of these sports labor problems, it consistently comes back that Joe sports fan feels that uh, they're not quite sure they understand all the details, but for sure the athletes are in the wrong. And I've always found that so weird because I've, I guess I've always been that guy, you know, in all my years of talking into a microphone that, you know, it, it didn't seem right to me that a lot of the athletes I knew in school, you know, were having a hard time getting a, a pizza ordered. And that felt really weird to me, even when I was 18 or 19, is that the athletes who are, you know, if you go outside a university, they'll, they'll go on and on about, man, how, this guy is so lucky. He goes to school for free. I'm taking all these student loans. But when it actually comes time to, like, go get a pizza, uh, that was a really, really difficult thing for an athlete to do because they're always, you know. And so nobody wanted to see the college athletes paid. And now that there's another work stoppage, uh, you know, Joe, small business owner in America is positive. The owners are right. He, he's not quite sure he can explain it, but he knows these athletes are greedy, but these, but these guys who are richer than all the athletes, the billionaire owners, uh, and by the way, probably the NBA owner that is worth the least right now is still a billionaire. As you start going down the list of, you know, the, the poorest major league baseball owner, still a billionaire. Just look at these franchise valuations. Like the Cowboys are worth like $7 billion now figure that one out. But anyway, I'm positive in any financial argument, the guys on Twitter are consistently taking the owner's side because it's their business. And like, you like you're like, you're uh, you know, cardboard box company in a strip mall can compare to the Dallas Cowboys. And you understand that these employees you have that won't show up for their shift on Saturday morning is just like a franchise quarterback. Exactly. Well, it's funny. Like, I think there's, you know, Hey, like I'd be fine if baseball just didn't come back. Oh, like, come just... on, Tron. <laughs> Stop it. But be like, I think if there's one sport where I think the owners might have a leg to stand on, I think it's baseball. Right. Cause some of those, you know, and granted they've been colluding and doing all sorts of shady shit to keep costs down over the last 10 years or so, but you know, and, and the way that salary cap and, or the, uh, you know, controllable years and all that shit works. It's crazy. But just with the gear, the fully guaranteed contracts in baseball, it feels like it's, it's maybe the pendulum needs to swing a little bit farther. Whereas like NFL, get them, Bob. Much, Don't stand for that, Bob. Well, 
I, first of all, I would say uh, the baseball players deserve every money, every dollar, because they have to play baseball 200 days a year, Tron. Do you know how <laughs> that's, much that's of a beating that would be? They, like today, tomorrow, the that's next so day. much TV inventory. Oh, that's, that's so, the travel too, is brutal. Straight I'm just up. saying actually yeah. standing out there for a baseball game for 200 yeah. days out of your year. I think about 10 in, we both would tap out and say we'd rather go do something else. But the baseball but, players aren't, you know, they're not at risk for cte or anything like that like you know i feel like the nfl player like they're super no. disposable in the eyes of the of the owners and well, it, I, I would say that's not the baseball players fault that's more yeah the nfl needs to find a and it's hard but the nfl just needs a stronger union yeah and, sure. and, and they will never be allowed one because they weren't smart enough in the 70s and 80s to get that rolling but ba- basketball is the one that, that you have to ask how do you pay how does how does how do I go into an arena? And uh, for instance, I went into one Sunday for an actual NBA game and I looked around and I saw, uh, first of all, a, a not an empty arena, but an arena that could definitely fit a couple thousand more people in there. And the people that were there, uh, it looked like a lot of secondary market, uh, you know, uh, pricing was used. It looked like uh, people were there because uh, somebody gave them tickets or something like that. And I just, I just try to do the math. Uh, and I always grab somebody who uh, did no, nothing mean to me, but let's take John Wall. So you just do the math on John Wall and you say, okay, 44 million this year, you know, 42 million last year, I think something like 46 million next year, something like that. And you just say, okay, if that guy sitting right there paid $80 for his seat, and this guy over here paid $80 for his seat. How many humans do I need to get to $44 million for just John Wall's money? Because I don't see how it pays for itself. I, if you want to talk about a bubble, the NBA bubble has always concerned me very much because there are 20 markets where you're like, how does this pay for itself? How, how do you pay for just this lineup? Isn't, isn't that TV, is, right? Isn't it all TV now? Well, that's our answer. We always just say, well, TV, like it's uh, fairy dust and, uh, and we know what that means. But again, if you just take your Minnesota Timberwolves and you add all the stadium revenue and their local TV deal, and then they're one thirtieth of the national TV pie. And you're like, okay, how does this pay for even the, the, the two biggest contracts on their, on their payroll? And how do how do the TV networks sign up again for it? If it's all built around like Lakers games and uh, Brooklyn Nets games. I, well, I feel like the, I don't know. I mean, salary caps, what, like 155, 160 million. Uh, no, I think it's 130 now. And then okay. you go to the tax and everything. Yeah. But so, all right. So you got that. And then you got, cause that's the one thing is like the, the TV rights for the, especially for the national deals. Like that's the one component of entertainment these days. That's, that's not TiVo. Or not, not you know, True. TVRable, right? So it's yeah. like those values actually keep going up. No doubt. Everything else diminishes. But right? it's not even close to the NFL TV money. And Correct. with John Wall, you're like talking about 600 grand every game. So if they have, yeah. you know, they have two games, three games and four nights, it's 600 grand. And by the way, Houston doesn't even want him playing. Like that's, that's the yeah. crazy thing is some of these contracts are so untradeable that they just – just say, stay home, please. And but you yeah. sound like coward going after John Wall. 
I'm sorry. I, I don't, <laughs> I, I think that's unfair and I'm just going to retract everything I've said so that you'll stop saying something so mean. <laughs> well, I would say with the NBA too, you know, this is where, uh, I'm, I'm reading a, you know, conservatively, the NBA makes about 500 million in China. Um, it, they just have a lot of different revenue sources and, and I'm not up to date on exactly the, the revenue sharing between teams, uh, you know, money flowing into the league and then flowing to teams, but they just, and then you like, I'm a subscriber to NBA TV, right? I, I don't have the full package, but I have the team specific package. It, they just have a lot the of Kings. Yeah. The Kings, they have a lot of different revenue sources. That's incredible. Randy. That's, I, that's commitment to a bit right there is like i don't want the whole league just give me the sacramento kings games talking yeah. about a shitty market right like what are you saving first of all just get the whole league dude you save 60 bucks on that i uh, maybe 60 so maybe like 90 i i've the team specific i think was like 99 dollars a year maybe it was more than that 149 and i think the league wide is yeah something but I, I love basketball, but I just want to watch the least relevant game every every night on the schedule, please. Well, the, the Kings give me all the teams, and then you know the national broadcast is kind of the the same eight to ten teams that right. that are the best. So I, I don't know. I feel like I get pretty good coverage. <laughs> I miss out on teams like this year, like the Cavs, right? And yeah. The Grizzlies haven't exactly broken into being one of the media darlings yet. Uh, so, so that's where it suffers a little bit. The NBA has the best, uh, app and best like, uh, um, platform, like for your Apple TV or whatever. I, I think they're fantastic. The NFL is a joke. The NFL is pretty good. MLB yeah, is like shockingly baseball good. Is like, MLB, you know what? MLB is really stuffed up its game. Everything well, else. Yes. And, and, and to continue that, they spun that off. That's now its own company, which, yeah, the MLB has like a, an ownership stake in. So again, and talking about like, just like these revenue like that's sources, what like ESPN runs off of, like like I think ESPN.com runs off of that, or ESPN Plus. I think PGA Tour runs off of that. Like all yeah. that stuff. Is- They've come a long ways. The MLB has since they used to uh, get cease and desist out to anybody who would tweet yeah. out their product. You yeah. know, like if yeah. you saw a sweet Fernando Tatis play, uh, the MLB was very quick to stomp out any free advertising you were trying to give them. They, <laughs> you are not allowed to do that. So sounds uh, like the PGA Tour. I was going to say they, that's they where golf is again five years behind the times at least. Yeah. Yeah. Or the IOC. The IOC does that all the time. Like they're they're probably the biggest. Uh, yes, they are. To sister on YouTube and all that stuff. Uh, that's why we thought. Which, that's why we thought the skier that got hit in the nuts uh, on, <laughs> on on, on uh, Rex Chapman's feed the other day. We thought that might be modern, but I've come to find out it was like four Olympics ago. So <laughs> apologies to everybody that I might have misled with that. Hey, everybody! Sorry to interrupt the episode. Randy here. I want to thank today's sponsor, and that is our good friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here, and in honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. I would take the Bengals if I were you. And if you're not a new customer, you can experience Super Bowl 56 with same-game parlays, Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. 
So right now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code NLU. Get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code NLU at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older, Indiana, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And if in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. Thank them for sponsoring the Trap Draw. And now back to our conversation. I flipped on the, the uh, I've watched like maybe an hour or two of it so far. And I flipped on the big air snowboarding the other night and then mm. you know they had all the like the nuclear coal cooling towers in the background like it was it's pretty dystopian they can't they it doesn't snow there either and i was no. wondering if randy was headed there beijing uh they had to reroute rivers and waterways away from farms to try to get enough water so they could make fake snow for the beijing olympics that new york times story is pretty wild from over the weekend yeah and then yeah. and then the russian figure skaters are doping too did you see that today they haven't given out the medals yet because the uh, yeah. the Russians tested positive, or one of the Russians tested positive. So I will not watch figure skating with doping in it. That's a disgrace. <laughs> you know what's a that's disgrace? A too far, Bob. You know it's a disgrace. I and this this came. So I we were watching up in Steamboat at, in the evening. You know, just to have something on. We were watching a lot of Olympics. Uh, it, the the so the Russians aren't allowed to compete under the Russian flag, right? It's like right. the Russian Olympic committee or, or something like that i don't think they should be shown in the country medal tables like right now the roc is on top but if you're not gonna you know if you've banned russia from the games i don't think you should put the roc as the leading medal winner right like they have their individual medals i get that but i, I feel like the medal count should be for the actual countries competing so how would you how would you tally those athletes then you just would, no, would you have just no, no record of them. <laughs> okay. Well, well, individually, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I guess if you're trying to like reconcile total medals, uh, sounds like you you're could... trying to prop up America is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, Randy, well, I, Randy's America first. Well, agenda. what's the pun? I guess my my question though is, what well, then? What's the punishment? Like, like well, it's the Olympics. There is none. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Soft on crime. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's a disgrace. The IOC is a disgrace. Uh, Randy, last thing I had on my agenda before we get into okay, NFL please. coaching carousel. Have you guys seen the wholesale price of chicken wings <laughs> lately? No. No. It's, uh-uh. it's it's exploding. It's, it's crazy. Is this because like, your is this because your boys at Tyson? Could yeah, it could be some monopolistic you know, practices. They're, they're, they're using but. inflation as cover just to jack prices. Not good, TC. Not good. My guy Stoller's all over it. Which, speaking of inflation, you guys are, are uh, uh, you know, DJ's all in my ear about getting you and Neil more money for straps. Oh, uh, that's, yeah. That's because just, of inflation. Well, yeah. Well, that Inflation is real in that sense. So We're I kicking <laughs> it above five, kicking it up over 500 now. Yeah, way, maybe. way above. Maybe okay. we're gonna have discussions. We're gonna have discussions. Uh, no, I, Randy's, I can't. Randy's super, super anti jacking, jacking stuff up, and until it's his budget for exactly, strategy. exactly, <laughs> and then inflation's very real. Um, no, I haven't seen. Uh, is this has this bled down to like the restaurant level? Like, is BW3's yeah. chicken yeah. I mean, wings? Yeah, I mean, up? some places aren't even like carrying chicken wings anymore. 
Huh. It's that bad. So just watch that right. space. And the watch Super Bowl space. week, this is not what we need to be saying on the Super Bowl week. You're going to no. upset the entire economy. You're going to have people running to grocery stores mm-hmm. like it's a wintry mix uh, headed to Dallas. Yeah. Everyone's going to clean out the grocers because of what you just said. You yeah. Speaking careful. of grocery stores, Bob, have you been to an Erewhon yet out there in no. L.A.? Oh, Make no. sure you get yourself yeah, to an Erewhon. Get in there. Get a $20 smoothie. You'll feel great. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're supposed to be, and then give us a full report on Erwan versus HEB. Apparently it's, you know, those are like the, the creme de la creme of grocery stores. Pretty excited to hear you went to a Bucky's by the way. That was, that was big news. That was, I'm still, I'm still reeling. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. It's tough. It's tough. (laughs) Uh, Bob, let's, uh, let me ask you this, uh, changing subjects here. What's been your favorite NFL coaching hire? Wow. Um, that's a great question because many of them were, were rather, uh, uninspired, uh, at times have just, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it, it's certainly one where you want to say, this is the answer to all of our problems. I, I would say, I like what the giants did. I I've always been a dabble guy and what they did on both sides of the ball to go get him and to go get uh, Martindale. I think the giants, I think there's some some progress there. I don't hate Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. Yeah, like it seems like we got a good. He's both a good guy who's going to bring a good culture, and he's competent. Right, right. right. That's, so, that's a that's a big step in the right direction. I just think overall, it's wild how NFL owners and front offices are now putting scheme before uh, any sort of like leadership. And I, I, maybe I'm old school in that. And maybe, you know, I believe in the TWTW too much and all these, all these things we can't measure, which makes me a bad analytical uh, sports guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a analytical moderate guys. Uh, I, I certainly believe in I them too, but I don't believe that uh, they answer all of our questions. And so I get really, really worried when we hire quarterback coaches and uh, one-year offensive coordinators to be head coaches because, and this was my issue with Kellen Moore. You know, I look, first of all, your scheme has its problems. Uh, the offense has broken down, but let's say it didn't. Let's say uh, it was the best offense in the league all year. I still need to know that you're going to be in front of, you're going to stand in front of 50 dudes who are all millionaires who are all, you know, accomplished players, and they're going to care what you're about to say. And uh, there are several times during a year where that matters to me and where I think, uh, you know, you, you've got to be able to command a room and you got to be able to inspire effort and all these types of things that we see in football at every level and really sports at every level. And yet it doesn't seem like when we do our hiring, that's really considered much at all. And I just I, – I don't really get why – leadership or the the ability to command a room doesn't seem to be that big a deal to these owners anymore they want the guy who has the solution to their quarterback who we're paying a lot of money who isn't playing well enough come in here and bake up the recipe that is flawless that uh, can get our guys to the promised land and i, I don't know man that's well, let's go through i mean i'm curious like because it seems like the ones that i expected to go after a scheme guy like the bears yeah didn't Right. Um, like that one felt like, hey, they went after a super meticulous, organized dude 
without a scheme, um, maybe even outdated defensive scheme with with uh, Eberflus. But I I did not get that at all. No, yeah, that was a that was a weird one to me. Like the Broncos with Hackett, that felt you know relative. Like that felt there's some Aaron Rodgers stuff baked in. That there, felt right? like we could get Aaron Rodgers. That's that yeah. that's what that felt like to me because otherwise. I like Hackett, uh, but I also don't know that he had a ton of to do with with the the Lafleur offense up in Green Bay. I so so the, you know he's a friend of Aaron Rodgers. He's certainly been in the coaching room with him. If this if this paves the way, I don't know that it does. But if it does pave the way, then then I guess it makes sense because we all know Rodgers doesn't want to be coached anyway. He's a uh, he, he's kind of coaching himself. Well, and uh, I was I was gonna real quick. I was gonna ask you, Bob. You know, you said everybody's uh, the owners are looking for a coach that can uh, solve the the quarterback. But in my mind, I feel like the 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 truly good, great quarterbacks can fit in just about any type of scheme. Like they're, they're not reliant on some genius coming in and like I, I'm struggling to think of a, a mediocre quarterback that was, except for maybe like Garoppolo with, with Shanahan, right? It, like a, a mediocre quarterback that is unlocked and turned into this great quarterback by an offensive genius. It, it seems like that was really, that was really big of you, Randy, the, call, the quarterbacks, Shanahan offensive genius. Well, the, the quarterbacks, they're like, I don't know. It just strikes me as like the really good ones are really good regardless. And, and to your point, it's like, we'll go get the guy that commands the room that builds the culture that makes the good hires. That is like the CEO uh, of the, of the team. Yeah. Well, maybe the, the way to thread that needle the best is to find a guy who can do both, which is, you know, Sean McVay, I guess, um, which is a really interesting deal. McVay has a chance on Sunday to like cement this legacy that I don't know that many of us are real familiar with. Like it's, it's pretty high level what he's capable of doing here which is go to two Super Bowls within four years with completely different players at every skill position, it seems, um, a largely different football team. And nobody has had their coaching staffs annually picked over like Sean McVay's coaching staffs has yeah. in 18, 19, 20, and 21. He's about to lose his OC again. Every year he loses his offensive coordinator. Doesn't matter. And, and so – I guess everyone's chasing their McVeigh. The problem with like an Eberflus, in my opinion, or Dennis Allen, I guess, was more of a let's just keep Sean Payton's train going down the track there. So I guess that one, the Texans, you know, when you look at the teams that that hire a defensive guy, then you have the situation of, okay, this guy may be great at delegating, but if we're good this season, we're going to lose our OC to be someone else's head coach and we're going to have to find a new OC. Yeah, he's not tied to you, right? Like right, no... right. Yeah, so the staff you're putting together is is absolutely a year-by-year thing, and and that's why teams are really putting a lot like uh, what the Bills just uh, go get Joe Brady to be a quarterback coach because uh, we might lose uh, what Ken Dorsey next year so then we can just keep bumping guys up a spot and and maybe that's maybe that's how it all works now, but if you can't find the guy who can do both, then you're, you're constantly chasing your tail and, and you're probably right, Randy, but that doesn't mean that anyone's willing to listen to it because then we get back to the conversation that I'm sure includes Dak where you have three to four to five 
quarterbacks that transcend uh, scheme and transcend even coach. They're just great. And then you have this middle ground of guys who can demand a contract in that area, but aren't transcendent enough that they can do it all themselves. And, and that's quarterback five through 20. And then if you don't have one of those guys, then you just know you're screwed and you should consider tanking to go find your Joe Burrow, which is impossible too. So it's, it's the game of Thrones in the NFL, but I honestly, with these, with these nine hires, which is a huge new coaching, uh, you know, market, the fact that none of them got the cure all architect that is, you know, like last year, the urban Meyer thing is comical in retrospect, but at the time it felt to some that the Jaguars, okay, they got a new program in place. This will be our coach for the next decade. He's going to build something memorable here. You know, kind of like when the Cowboys hired Bill Parcells, it, it often doesn't last that long, but you get the point. All these guys look like, um, at least in the case of Eberflus, O'Connell, Mike McDaniel, Brian Dable, and Nathaniel Hackett. Those five especially are guys where they're like, okay, I mean, I guess. But when you had like Jim Harbaugh clearly looking for an NFL head coaching job that he liked and, and guys uh, who, who have a proven track record as program architects, man, Harbaugh would have been a massive target if I'm the Bears. I would love to know how yeah. he ended up interviewing with the Vikings and not even really taking the bears terribly seriously. That's crazy to me because that's perfect. What's, for bears. What's your read on McDaniels and with the Raiders? That's an um, interesting one to me. Cause it's like, I feel like there's some, there's some value to be gleaned from having failed before and learning mm-hmm. from that. Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah. No, I, I think the Raiders probably did a really nice job. Um, I'm curious what made McDaniels say no so many times, but say yes to yeah. this one. Um, I suppose uh, I suppose Vegas wanted to write a big check to to uh, and give a lot of power to kind of get that Gruden thing off their palate. They the Raiders are probably in some act of desperation of like, look, we gotta we gotta somehow flush this entire 2021 because that got bad real fast, and they <laughs> fired Mayock, and you know, of course, all the uh, player uh, indiscretions to say the least. So, um, you know, it, it's. It's, it's such a, a carousel of madness in this league for about 28 of the 32 franchises that those others really stick out as this beacon of stability. Um, but to everyone else just continues to chase their tail like, like they're Auburn, you know, like they're an SEC school. The guy that I'm most excited about, and it sounds like you've, you know, you've already thrown a couple shots at him, but Mike McDaniel, man, I think he's, I think he's brilliant. And I think, I think he's a huge culture guy. Like, I think, you know, he may not look it, but I think he's a guy that can stand up there and personally relate to every single one of the guys in that locker room. Listen, I'm not I'm not taking any shots at Mike McDaniel, but <laughs> it's the least NFL hire that you could come up with. Which like, I love. Right? Well, OK, great. And, and, and you know what? The media will all cheer for this one because um, this does scratch the itch of different. And uh, like when uh, Daryl Morey was uh was a gm and like uh you know when billy bean uh you know just all when moneyball dropped we all started cheering for these executives that were doing things differently and so mike mcdaniel is kind of the 2022 version of that he doesn't eat vegetables he loves pot a lot he's uh you know he's he's all these weird things that people said about mike mcdaniel like you're not going to believe it the fact that he went from zero to head coach of the dolphins in the blink of an eye 
is uh is, is for steven ross of all people right yes like, yes i mean yeah. but yeah the flores thing in and of itself is a crazy story and yeah. uh, then he rallies by grabbing mike mcdaniel when the dolphins were throwing out some massive names uh, also harbaugh i guess was uh, was on yeah. that list but it could work i mean the scheme is really good in san francisco you know that and and i i i I don't know if I go quite as crazy on Shanahan as you do, but Shanahan's great. Shanahan is awesome. I, I think Shanahan's underrated in it. Like he's a culture guy too. Like that's probably one of the best cultures in the league in that locker room. He know? is man, but man, what a, what a tank job at the end of that NFC title game, dude, you can't punt there. I know. You got, I know. Yeah, listen, that, listen, I'm, I, I'm still working through it. I had to go on vacation to kind of, you know, reflect on it a little bit more. I'm not happy about it. Okay. Jason Garrett and his quote that you don't lay up at the masters, uh, that might be one of the great things that he ever said, even though it was a clapper, Clap. please, a, please, please call him by his real name, but clapper. It, it was against everything he believed in when he said it, which, which made us all do a spit take, but yeah, Shanahan laid up at the masters. You can't do that, man. Mm-hmm. Freaking you're up 17, 14. You got Garoppolo. You're in their territory. It's second and one, third and one, now fourth and two, and you're going to punt? Well, uh, all right. Shame. Question Shameful. for you. Shame. Cowboys Thank you, wise. Bob. Shame. That's what I'm saying. Who would you rather have if Mike McCarthy got, got canned tomorrow? Who would, who would you rather have, Dan Quinn or Kellen Moore? Oh, that's Dan Quinn by a mile. Really? I, yeah, I, I'm not a big Kellen Moore guy. I mean, if you're telling me – we're going to give you the most stacked offense we can possibly find. And you're going to be better than Scott Lenahan at using a little creativity. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's fine. He's a good dude. I, I, it's not that I'm cheering against him, but I do probably have a little bit of uh, TC in me and that if uh, the, the praise from the masses gets a little too much, I catch myself just turning on them just out of uh uh, just out of uh, habit because it's, uh, I don't know, fun to do bad things, I suppose. But, uh, but with regards to – there's a difference between creativity in a play and creativity in a scheme. And I think he can draw up creative plays all day. But it's but, not coherent. But then you got to have a coherent yeah. fit. Yes, you got to have a symphony of, of plans that feed off each other and set up one another. And I just don't know that Kellen quite has that. And that's why the offense can look lost at times, is that there aren't enough solutions baked in. And I know it does sound like, uh, you know, you're you're constantly excusing a quarterback, and I'm not. I mean, there's a lot the quarterback has to do better. But I just – I think the Cowboys scheme and – I don't even know if you would call this scheme as much as the player deployment within the scheme, like which guys are going to where and how much are yeah. we using them? I guess that scheme, but uh, I, I, the, the cowboy model is such that it's, it's such a shell game of who are we supposed to blame for this one and this one. And it just, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's so made for Stephen A. Smith and, and skip and all these guys to just, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's honestly, uh, it leads to mental illness amongst the fan base. There's no question about it. First of all, you got me all wrong on the, you know, there's, there's certain minds out there that are, they're just brilliant. Yeah. But if somebody get over- a bunch of praise, I'm not going to shit on them. Just, just shit on them. No, no, nor would I. But, but if somebody gets praised and you think that that's a, a creation of uh, the group think of the media, then yeah, then 
then you're going to throw a flag. That's normal. Well, that, that's, that's where me. like I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with like Dan Quinn, right? I mean, I watched Dan Quinn coach teams for what, five or six years in Atlanta, probably, right. probably more than that. And like, I don't know. I tend to think that Dan Quinn got a little bit crowned this year by Micah Parsons being a like generational savage and sure. digs and, and that like they, you know, they had an infusion of, of talent. Uh, Not a lot ran- though. You got to be careful. Yeah. They, they yeah. added a lot of new dudes, but they were mostly on minimum deals. So the Micah Parsons one, I'll give you. Um, we can debate whether or not Trayvon Diggs is actually good uh, yeah. or really good. Um, but, but beyond that, like he, he got a year out of J Ron curse. I mean, J Ron curse is covering kicks in Minnesota. He is not playing, you know, NFL safety. And now he's a starting difference maker in the box. So um, I, I, I really think a, an interesting thread is due to our good coordinators that maybe aren't good head coaches. And yeah. maybe that leads us back to these. Nine I think that's a perfect, I think that's a perfect, you know, like description of Quinn. Right? And, and, and yeah. And especially defensive coordinators. Like yeah. there are, you know, I think if you're a defensive coordinator, there's a little more of a um, pep rally in your huddle uh, more of a, you know, it's effort as opposed to precision. I think offense might be more of a precision thing and defense might be more, we just need to go destroy things in front of us. Well, it's like back to the Quinn thing. I think Quinn's whole thing, right. It's like quick decisions and and playing free instead of, instead of, you know, overladen with scheme. Yeah. And I think the Cowboys in 2020, you could actually see the gears turning as, you know, they see a complex play with, with guys moving in different directions and they're all paralyzed by who has the ball. Whereas Quinn tries to strip it down to the most uh, basic, you read this one thing and it's a yes or no. And if it's a yes, you go that way. If it's a no, you go that way and try to make these complex jobs simpler for the people so that they can play fast. Yeah. That's absolutely what Quinn believes. And, you know, go back to Wade Phillips, go back to so many great DCs throughout the course of football there's a difference between that and then going to talk to the media two hours every week and explaining everything in a way that is largely a PR exercise that, yeah. that we use for like politicians, but and football coaches to say, is this guy a complete moron or do I actually think he knows what he's talking about? Which in reality, that's a very small portion of their actual job description, but it's where we glean about 80% of uh, our, our review of their performance. Right. I mean, part of the reason I don't like Zach Taylor is just because like, I think he looks like a fucking doofus in the shit that he wears on the sidelines. Like, Hey, like it's as simple as that. (laughs) Some of that stuff plays into it. I have said, I have said the difference and then boy, I don't mean to, for this to trigger its own half hour side road here, but I've said the difference between Mike McCarthy and Sean Payton is probably cardio. I mean, uh, people, people see Sean Payton and they're like, Oh wow. If we could get this guy to coach our team, everything would be perfect. Mike McCarthy, what a moron. And I think a lot of it is, the uh, the the message your your eyes are telling your brain about what this guy does uh, for exercise every day. I really believe that. I, uh, I, I I agree with that too, Bob. I, I, I that's a great take. It's worked against Andy Reid for twenty years. Like people want to Andy Reid. I love Andy Reid. Andy well, Reed. now you do, but, but Andy Reid. No, Andy even Reed before was, the Chiefs. Okay, uh, okay, like, good. Like, I was he always was, an Andy Reid guy. But people would kill him. Yes, like that was yeah. that was sport. And, and some of it, the game, the you know, the clock management stuff, uh, 
he he had his his faults like anybody but everybody yeah, does of course that's the big thing that uh when people start the, the clock management game management stuff <laughs> it, here here's how that works that's like uh that's like uh you know simple golf analysis that you guys know is is really what we see is what the cameras uh present to us and we're not seeing every shot from this guy or every shot from this guy, but I can tell you the flaws of these three guys because every shot they hit is on TV. So we can, so if you want to say Mike McCarthy's bad at game management, which everybody does, then you have to tell me that you follow at least one other coach just as closely. And I yeah. think you'll find that every coach you follow that closely has their own game management issues of a very high order. And may yeah. I present to you in these playoffs alone, Andy Reid, Sean McVay, yes. Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan, all the guys we yeah. love. And we're all like, whoa, dude, did you just do what I think you did? Because you are a bad game manager. Well, it's some of it's sample size, right? Of course I mean, it it's is. Just, it's, it's sample size and just almost luck, like kind of used- luck of the draw of what comes up. Yes, I used to have a uh, a, a Twitter uh, a tweet series uh, that uh, that was called MVP quarterbacks miss wide open receivers too, and it was basically for all the the, the DAC haters in DFW of which there are many, <laughs> um, and and every time he misses a guy, somebody would find the all twenty two and say, "Dude, Michael Gallup has got nobody within fifteen yards of him. How come you didn't throw it there?" and all you have to do to realize that every quarterback misses at least two open guys every game is watch football. And if you watch football, if you watch Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Tom Brady, and you watch the all 22 and study it, you will find that there's too much happening in a freaking NFL game to say that every quarterback hits every open receiver every time, except your guy. No, you have a problem and you watch your guy and you don't watch, you watch the rest of the league, but you watch them in small sample doses and which is generally sports center highlights and your fantasy football team standings. And and you say, well, this guy would never do what my guy does. And the reality is it, it, it really is, a problem shared by just about everybody, but you follow your team and you're mad at your team for always sucking is usually what it comes down to. That I'm just mad at Jimmy G. I was just going to say, you, you just described Niners Twitter. Our, our <laughs> buddy Poosh, I, without fail, every Monday and Tuesday, he'd be liking or commenting on some tweet that's like, oh my God, look, Jimmy missed this receiver. And it's just like, oh my God, dude, Every you could find, like you just said, Bob, you could find a play here, there for every quarterback that's like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you, then you post Aaron Rodgers missing a wide open guy and people are like, huh, well, I trade my guy for him. And yeah, of course he would, but he's not uh, available. You know, it's, it's not it's, perfect. Yeah. I mean, hell Rodgers, their season ended because he missed a wide open guy. You're darn right. He did. Yeah. Tony, if you boy, the Aaron Rodgers episode would be amazing guys. We'll come back. We'll circle back to that someday. What do you think the, uh, the Cowboys, I mean, like Randy Gregory seems like he's completely off the reservation and has been for, for a long time. Uh, where do you think the Cowboys go from here? Wow. That's a, that's a great question with a super complex answer. Um, they got big, they got big cap issues uh, yeah. part, partly because Zeke's agent is amazing and they got him a deal where it doesn't even matter if he's good anymore. They can't cut him. And so he's going to make uh, an absurd amount of money to play mediocre running back next season. And Pollard's so good. Like, and, and there's yes. such an opportunity cost even for Zeke even playing. 
right? Right. Which, which is why if you watch the 49ers playoff game, which I know you guys did, the fact that Pollard had such a small role and CD lamb was out wide the whole game and they're throwing the ball over and over again on seven yard hooks to Dalton Schultz and Cedric Wilson. And it's just, it's just tedious and ponderous. And meanwhile, people are telling me Kellen Moore is somebody's next head coach. <laughs> He's getting his staff together in Miami. And I'm like, are you kidding me, man? Uh, this is pretty basic stuff, but um they've got to figure out how to make their cap fit around uh obviously Dak's massive deal and and they they did it to themselves they franchised him twice and uh ran up their own bill and you know they they bet against Dak and then they admitted they were wrong and gave him all the money and so that hands 25% of your cap or 20% of your cap to a quarterback who is probably not transcendent. We can agree on that at least. Thank you. Thank and, you. Well, no one, there's never been a disagreement TC. So stop claiming that there was, is he a, is he a top <laughs> eight guy? Oh, t- Bob, your top eight quarterbacks next year, <laughs> next year. So Brady and Rogers are now off the list or well, Brady you can keep Rogers. Yeah. Brady's off the list. He's retired. Although Bra- I mean, Brady might go unless, to San Francisco, right. You know? Unless something changes, but it, I guess if you were, coaching an NFL team next year and could pick any quarterbacks who, I mean, can we go eight deep? Are, are you comfortable going eight deep? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't you have def- to give them in any sort of order. Just- okay. Well, you would definitely say Mahomes and Rogers are the two best quarterbacks in the game right now. And then you would say Josh Allen is, uh, is, is, is very quickly onto that list. And from there, you start to get creative on how you want to rank the rest of the the uh, the, 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 the squads. But um, obviously, you got the young crew. That's awesome. And Herbert and Burrow. And, and uh, uh, we have to have a Kyler discussion at some point, uh, probably. Um, and uh, obviously, Stafford has to be in a conversation now. Um, uh, what about yeah. Mr. Unlimited? Uh, Mr. Unlimited is going to be interesting. If he ends up with the Giants or Washington, I think we might really have some uh, intrigue there. Uh, is Deshaun Watson allowed to be ranked yet? Have we decided that he's out of uh, out I of think, purgatory? I think decide. he'll. He's got to play next year, right? Like I, I think he does, but that that ball hasn't moved six inches since last March. It's crazy how we've gone radio silent on that one. What about the youngest MVP? In NFL history, I believe Lamar. Have we forgotten about Lamar already? We have not forgotten about Lamar. I'm just trying to decide what I believe in his next couple of years over Dax because that's an interesting one. Yeah, like Dak just reminds me of of Baker Mayfield. It's like if Baker Mayfield and like Kirk Cousins had a baby. I would, I would I would say Kirk Cousins. I think Baker Mayfield makes too many bad in play decisions. Okay. Whereas whereas I think Dak uh, has a little has a much better decision making process. Dak's smart. Yeah, I just think he's limited by like. I, I, think, I think he's a little inaccurate. And I I, I don't think he. Honestly, there's something to just ripping the ball. And that's what we all love about Joe Burrow right now and, and Josh Allen is that these guys are so positive that something good's about to happen that they'll rear back and fire the ball. Whereas Dak, you can tell, it might just be the noise of being a Cowboys quarterback because we saw this exact thing happen with Tony Romo not so long ago, that they almost 
are doing a cost benefit study in their head as the play is going on on whether or not they want to deal with uh, cold pizza, ripping them a new one tomorrow morning if they throw into coverage right now, whereas Joe Burrow doesn't care. You know, Joe Burrow has um, the uh, Fountains of Wayne song playing in his head about having all kinds of time and uh, he's just going to rip it in there and something good's going to happen. And so, um, it, I, I, I'm somewhat avoiding your question because I think Dak is right on the fringe of top 10. Um, okay. I, but, but here's to the, he's being paid like a, he's being paid like a top five guy, but that like might, a current top five guy. Right? Yeah. But and that then, might, more, that might more, might more just be the, uh, the, the musical chairs contract cycle. Yeah. 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 I, I think, I think in one more off season, he'll probably drop out of the top five and in, in average per year. Uh, right now he's third probably behind Mahomes and Josh Allen for annual per year. Is that right? When does the cap go up like crazy? This, this year. offseason or next? Yeah, yeah, it goes from 185 to to 215 or so in this offseason. So, so they're not, still in terrible shape even with the cap going up. Yeah, they're already at dollars. I think they're at like 240 right now. And the cap will so, be at like 215. So as far as like who are the the big casualties. So the guys, the guys most likely to get cooked uh, to, to make the books right, unless they can just renegotiate a bunch of deals, which is a bad idea for a team with, with a nucleus over 30 is. Uh, see, see, see the uh, saints, right? Like yes. at some point they need yeah. to reset. Yeah. And, and the Packers are there too. The Packers yeah. are in a ultimate, do we just damn the torpedoes and uh, just, just go crazy here. And then just, who cares about 2024? We're going we're gonna to spend it all right now. But in the case of the Cowboys, uh, Demarcus Lawrence and Amari Cooper are the two most likely to get chopped. Amari Cooper's deal. Cooper. Cooper's deal is not – it's not nearly as well-written as Ezekiel Elliott's. At some, point, at some point, you have to congratulate agents for being good at their job. And I suppose part of that in, in the case of Zeke – was he held out through training camp and he was in Cabo and uh, it was like Labor Day when the deal got done in 2019. Whereas Amari Cooper is part of day one of free agency and it's speed dial and you're probably not going back and forth for days at a time because yeah. I think I think Washington offered him the exact deal that the Cowboys matched. And so it's like five for a hundred. Like that's the market, right? Yeah. And then, okay, well, five for a hundred. So what does that mean? Well, we're going to guarantee 40 and uh, then year three will have to be locked in by day five of the league year. And then it guarantees for year three. Well, that, that actually means that that's where we are right now. And so they have day five, the new league year. And uh, if they want, they can walk away from Amari at 22 and only have six of dead money. So if you want to get $16 million right back, uh, you cut Amari Cooper. Now, now you don't have Amari Cooper, but you at least can get under the cap. And Demarcus and then Gallup's a Gallup's a restricted free agent. Gallup is unrestricted, but he's going into free agency with an ACL. Like he yeah. just he did his ACL on January second. So by March, you're not ready to sign him to a multi-year deal. It's happened a few times. Allen Robinson, I think, uh, when the Bears signed him was uh was nursing an acl so it's not well, dupree's probably the the best yeah. comp for that recently yeah. yeah but i i imagine um gallup doing his acl actually benefits the cowboys because they can talk yeah. themselves into let cooper go keep gallup on a one year 
do more with CD lamb, maybe draft a wide receiver, maybe even keep Cedric Wilson. So I don't don't like it because I think Cooper's great, but I also understand that you can't pay every single guy on your offense at the top of their position and expect to have a cap. You can't. Is is Tyron Smith safe? Is he, is he like untouchable? Uh, We've been doing this dance with Tyron for a long time and I am Tyron's number one fan, but I do admit now it's at a certain point, you just got to be like, look, let's just draft his successor because every year it's if Tyron's healthy, he's got a good cap number, but he can't stay healthy because there are so many miles on his tires. Um, I think his back is wrecked, uh, his knee to a certain extent, his arm. I mean, he's only like 30. People don't know this. Tyron's actually younger or uh, yeah, he's younger than Zach Martin. Zach Martin, it was in the 2014 draft, 2013 draft and uh, Tyron's in the 2011 draft, but, but Zach's actually older. Tyron came out at like 20 and he was Mm -hmm. great. Like the youngest right left tackle in NFL history. It was like set it and forget it. Right. But yeah, now here we are 12 seasons later and and you, you only get 10 games a year out of him. And, yeah. you know, so, yeah, I think his, his number is like at 18, but then you need a left tackle. And so they got the highest paid guard in Zach Martin, highest paid tackle for a while there in Tyron, highest paid wide receiver in Amari, highest paid running back in, in Zeke, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in, in Dak. And then you're like, well, how come we can't score against the 49ers in a home playoff game when which we're favored? And so, you know, it's cowboy football, man. It's whack-a-mole. What a beautiful disaster. It's, uh, it's, it's not great. And, you know, the fan base is just they're, – they're very, very on edge at all times. Of course. Yeah. They, they have to be – I mean, I, I think Jerry Jones – my just personal opinion is I think Jerry Jones would rather yeah. have the success or lack of success that they have experienced while being kind of this national circus rather than going like the Robert Kraft New England Patriots route where it's like, just take a back seat. Don't We're be truly competent. Yeah. Yeah. I won't argue with that because it's true. I mean, it's, it's absolutely true. Um, he, he had a, a moment of uh, clarity that he probably shouldn't have let his guard down, but uh, they had just lost another home playoff game several years back. And it was the season ended in tears, uh, big expectations. It might've been, it might have been when Green Bay beat them in 2016 when they were the one seed. I don't remember, but it's after the game and the media is gathered around him. And somebody uh, asked him uh, if if uh, he regrets uh, if he regrets where they are and his role in it and everything like that. And he said, "Look around you. You're standing in the stadium. You know, uh, could you ever regret? You know, basically basically saying what we knew all along." And that is the following. If if we could promise Jerry a spot in next year's Super Bowl, but to get there, you'd have to lose any chance of being in the top 10 on the Forbes franchise list. Would you do it? And I don't think there's a chance in the world. I think I think his definition, he wants to win, but his definition of winning is making more money than any other franchise on the planet. And he does that. And so he wants to win his way. He wins his Super Bowl every single year when the Forbes list comes out. And he finds and he proves to the world that his Dallas Cowboys, despite not winning anything of substance, are worth more than Real Madrid, Manchester United, 
Barcelona, the New York Yankees, the LA Lakers, all of them. Take every franchise on the planet. They're all behind the Cowboys in money. Now to me, who has to follow this team, none of that means anything to me. Like, I guess the buffet is pretty good in the press box, but <laughs> I don't care about your helicopters and your artwork and your practice facility. I, I'd like to cover a meaningful NFL playoff run sometime before I die of old age. But uh, here we are. This is my 23rd Cowboys season. And uh, the most important game I guess I've ever covered is a divisional playoff game, the the Des catch game uh, in Lambeau, I suppose. You know, it's just – that's not super relevant. It's not even in yeah. a, a Final Four, you know? It's not it, – like, it's not substantive. Right. It's it's empty calories, yeah. man, which which honestly, when, when somebody wants to argue with me about this, that you guys just love to blame Jerry, I'm going to say one out of every three times I click on their Twitter avatar – and it says they are fans of the Yankees, Cowboys, and Lakers. Now, you, Duke, Duke as well. Yeah, now you tell me how somebody can be a fan of, of those three franchises and be taken seriously on anything. Uh, like one of them, okay, you were born in a cowboy household, that's fine. You're allowed to like the Cowboys, I got no problem. But if you're telling me you like the Cowboys, Lakers, and Yankees, you're a flawed person and probably had bad parenting. And I feel bad for you. Like yeah. that, half, yeah. half the fun of what I'm experiencing now as a Bengals fan is like it sucked for so long. I like I can't tell you how much joy there is. Like holy shit, the Bengals are in the Super Bowl, dude. I, I never thought I would experience this. I want this for you. I, I really want this for you because I just had this with my Bucks. Um, I was a I've been a diehard Bucks fan my entire career. I know I argue with you guys about Luca for fun because I, I get paid uh, handsomely to do it, but uh, <laughs> but but I will also say that uh, that uh, I am a Bucks fan since the days of uh, Marcus Johnson and Sidney Moncrief and and the whole gang back at Bob Lanier when I was a little kid. And I completely flushed any possibility of them ever winning anything meaningful because my team doesn't do that. I watch other yeah, yeah. teams do things. And so I imagine the life of a Bengals fan is somewhat similar to the life of a Milwaukee Bucks fan. And all of us who have been loyal to our crappy franchises should be allowed one shining moment sometime in our life. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Um, That's why I like, I, I think I'm having more fun right now with the Jags and the Falcons than I do if like when the Falcons were, were under Dan Quinn and they're just, you know, setting aside the Super Bowl year where like, I love seeing them tear shit down and rebuild it. Like to me, that's, that's as much fun to see that process play out, matriculate through the system uh, as, you know, just going to the divisional playoffs every year and, and getting boat raced, you know, like at least you have hope and at least you're building towards something where you feel like you're, there's nothing worse than feeling like you're maxed out and there's some sort of glass ceiling that you can't break through. Yeah. That's, that's the catnip of sports is hope. If they can yeah. convince us that uh, this next draft pick is the one that turns it all around, like, like Joe Burrow, um, or, or even like Jamar Chase, as uh, we argue about Jamar Chase versus Penny Sewell, and uh, now see what that argument looks like in postseason. Football. Where were you on that on that always, argument? I I have all of the receipts to say I have always been a Jamar Chase uh, guy. So much so that there was no question that he was better than the two Alabama wide receivers. So I'm oh, happy. I'm happy Randy, the NFL saw it the same way. Randy still hasn't apologized. I was the biggest Jamar guy out there. And Randy was, I fell in Devante love with, I, I fell in love with Devonta Devonte. 
He he's nice, but he's just too small. I mean, uh, Jamar is Nebish. Des Bryant with a four four. I mean, there there aren't many Des Bryant's that can run a four four out there, and it doesn't appear he's a uh, he's a head case like a Des Bryant. So even better. So it's uh, maybe- although he did he did have that one thing preseason where. That, that you know, went I away guess. really quickly, which leads me right. to believe there was the drops. No, 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 no. no. There was a oh, in the a, midst an ex girlfriend or something. Oh, okay, okay. I should have yeah. known it wasn't the drops. <laughs> uh, no, I, you know what? You know what? My favorite thing about Jamar is, I think, uh, watching him this year is his willingness and ability to block down block. the field. Yes, yep. which yes. is like, man, if you get that in a superstar wide receiver, that I mean, that's the total package. Yeah, and those are the good ones. I mean, when you look at like the 49ers guys or Devontae Adams or these guys or even Odell Beckham, they 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 are into they take pride in it. Digging yeah. out a safety uh, out of the run game and or even cracking down on a linebacker or a defensive end. Yeah, you gotta love that. I don't know, can he juggle? Because AJ Green could juggle, and I always admired that about his game, uh, Randy. So I don't know if Jamar has any sort of tricks off the field that we need to know about. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. Um, I mean, AJ had to learn. You know, he had to do something while he was while he was sitting on the sidelines injured. That's now you just get TC started. That's so unfair. AJ <laughs> AJ was an elite wide receiver. Um, all right, he was. I want to ask you about some NBA stuff, but I almost want to like let's just get to the Super Bowl. Let's make okay. some predictions, and then maybe on the way out we can quickly yeah. talk. Uh, you know, the 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 Kings Pacers trade, and and maybe get some <laughs> shots in at Luca if we need to. Sure. Uh, well, let's start here. How's your experience going on Radio Row? Is that something you look forward to? Is it like the longest week of the year? Uh, talk talk to me about actually going out there and being a part of it. Well, you know, I, I, first of all, uh, I start with when I got into this business, it, it, it quickly occurred to me that everybody in the sports media appeared to be a, a, a crabby old man who uh, hates everything about his uh, job. And I thought, you know, it's a dream job. I, I, I don't like the fact that all the guys who've been doing this for a while sound uh, like they're jaded and uh, <laughs> they can't wait to stop doing the job because it's a dream job. But I will say over the course of time, the thrill of Radio Row has probably left me just a tad. Um, How many I, Super Bowls is this for you? This is I, my first one was uh, the the first Patriots one, Rams Patriots okay. 2001 in New Orleans. And so I've come to everyone except last year in Tampa. Our, our company didn't send us out there. Uh, but otherwise, uh, so this is probably 20. And you know, we've had some good times and Radio Row is, is sort of fun, but it stops being as much fun when you realize it's a mirror for uh, for you, like uh, what sports media looks like. Like you're kind of convinced, no, we're the cool guys in sports radio. And then you look around and everybody kind of thinks they're the cool guys in sports radio. And we're all we're all just hacks trying to trying to, uh, you know, keep a job in, in this business. So they put you in a, in a room. It's, it's sort of like a big mirror for the industry. And it's kind of sad. Uh, but but overall, though, it's fun. I, I love being at the Super Bowl. I love what it means. I love that football matters uh, to me so much. And and so many of those people are kicking around Radio Row like today. We'll, have, we'll get to have Jim McMahon on our show. And that's pretty cool to me is just, uh, you know, chopping it up with an icon of my youth and, uh, and that sort of thing. But, you know, it's, 
it's exhausting, especially if you're going to try to do multiple jobs like I've done for all these years with the athletic and with the radio and with the, the Fox stuff. Uh, thankfully, Fox doesn't have the Super Bowl, so I at least get this week off. But, um, you know, it's just it's 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 very busy, but it also beats what I'll start doing next week uh, exclusively, which is get ready for another draft. You know, so the wheel, the, the NFL media wheel keeps turning. And since I uh, am happy to uh, accept their money. Um, I, I turn with it. So that's uh, kind of how we roll. What's the traffic situation out there? Like where are you staying for, and how far you got to go to the stadium? Cause that's Boy, a- LA is ideal. LA is ideal. Now I will okay. say we're not close to so far, um, but okay. that's okay because the teams aren't even getting here until I guess what the, the Bengals get here tomorrow or maybe today or their first availability is it's, it's not a normal Super Bowl week. Okay. Um, and who knows what normal will be moving forward, but like media day, the, the most MTV of all the Super Bowl weekdays is, uh, is, is gone. And honestly, that's okay. It, uh, we don't need people from the real world or, uh, American idol, uh, interviewing, uh, backup, uh, wide receivers or anything like that. We've, I was going to say, they'd always send like those chesty South American reporters. To, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ask God knows what. Yeah, and yeah. you know, it it had its place in our past. I'm not saying Randy it didn't have any place, but uh but you know, 20 media days in, we're all pretty good. <laughs> uh, we we've all kind of seen that uh the funny costumes, the dude in a wedding dress or just whatever is going to go. Uh in fact, my my uh former partner uh who who I'm still good friends with, but Dan uh dressed up as uh, punt pass and kick Andy Reid uh 2 years ago in Miami to media day and actually was able to visit with Andy Reed as uh, childhood Andy Reed. Uh, you guys have seen that, right? Punt, pass and kick. Uh, Andy Reed. Yeah. 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 He's a, a classic, monster. Right? Yeah. Such, yeah. So amazing. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, so we're all down here at the LA convention center, Staples center, crypto center, whatever they call it now. And it's all right here. So we've had some real rough Super Bowl setups where a half hour drive, dude, Jacksonville, yeah. I was going to say, what was the worst one? Probably Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Our, our hotel was literally in Georgia. Like we were literally over the state <laughs> line in Georgia. Don't know if that was our station's error or the Super Bowl's error, but it was a 45 minute drive each way, as I recall. And Weren't nothing they putting was... people up on like cruise ships. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. Or was that, was that that one? Maybe. Or I, I, they all run together. But um, this one, I will hop on a hop on a scooter because I'm willing to risk my life uh, to, to travel four blocks and I'll be there in 30 seconds and it's great. And so um, last night got back from dinner and the bucks are playing the Lakers and I'm like, maybe I should go stick my head in there. And because we're back at our hotel, it's a three minute walk to go, to go to the uh, Staples center. So um, the proximity is great. Uh, Full credit to Los Angeles for, for, for making all of this, you know, on basically a, a college campus type size uh, area. Game day will be more complex, but I'll be back in Dallas by then, so I'm good. Okay. Yeah. And you saw Coach O last night, right? Got to see Coach O. Quite a pleasure. Um, it was just me and him as I was uh, – I refused to pay $500 to get into the Lakers-Bucks game because my phone told me the score was 57-37 at the time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not paying $500 for a lower-level seat for a game that's already over. Um, I have my limits guys. I was I willing that's to go smart. Yeah. I think I, that's smart. I was willing to go a little higher, but 
you, you know, you, you, the game's on TV, like right next to you. So you're like, okay, so what's the value of seeing this exact picture in person? Is it $500 in the second quarter? No, it's not. So I turned around I started walking back to the hotel, which like I said, you could do almost during a commercial and uh, there's coach O walking towards me. And I'm like, is that Ed Ogeron? And, you know, my brain's trying to commute it because he doesn't seem very tall. And I, I guess I've never stood next to Coach O, but I, I assumed he was a strapping football guy. And, man, I think he was like six inches shorter than me. Um, so I don't know if you guys have a height oh. on Coach O, but I don't know if he's six feet tall, unless I'm crazy. But uh, um, we had a we had Could you brief- understand anything he was saying? Yeah, yes, where I was, and that's when I considered saying I was at his final college game at LSU because I was because uh, our Thanksgiving was uh, going with our Aggie daughter over to Baton Rouge to see a game at Death Valley that I've always dreamed of doing because I hear Death Valley's awesome. I didn't realize it was going to be on a night where LSU fans were really not that into it at all, but uh, it turned out to be a great game. And uh, they, you know, he had his moment, and uh, and uh, then we crossed paths here. I did. I didn't tell him I had any sort of Aggie uh, uh, ties. We just had a nice moment, and I told him go Tigers, and we we walked away. It was beautiful. I'm seeing I'm seeing conflicting stuff on Coach O's height. I'm, I'm, seeing... I'm seeing anywhere from five nine to six two. Okay, <laughs> I, I would lock him in right at five five ten or so. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. And yeah. I, Which, by yeah, the way. Per- Okay, so on Mike McDaniel, did you see it? Five eight, right? Yeah, like, five eight or five nine. That's a problem, yeah. TC. I don't know. Don't know. It's like, it's like there's a reason we don't have bald presidents. Uh, oh no, that's another. You know, people are baldest. You got a lot of well, yeah, discrimination but, against bald people. But you're gonna put Mike McDaniel in there with world leaders, and he's uh, five nine. That's uh, you know, I don't know if Mike McDaniel could be president. Is what I'm saying. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how this first year in Miami goes. If he can get fixed Tua, we can talk president after that. Tua stinks. Uh, right. All right, Bob, talk to us about what's at stake. You kind of touched on earlier a win for the Rams. Um, obviously, a lot of players' storylines. Stafford, yeah. uh, the Beckham, OBJ redemption, the, the real breakout, Connor uh, Cooper Cup. My guy Andrew Whitworth would get a ring. Uh, lots of good storylines. What, what kind of what's at stake for the Rams? And then conversely, you know, talk about in your mind what what most excites you. What's at stake for the Bengals? Should they win? Well, yeah, it's it's two different stories, isn't it? Uh, the Bengals were a bottom five odds to go to the Super Bowl this year. And so here they are, and that's just a crazy story that hopefully tells everybody that your team, no matter how ridiculous they are, has a chance this year, which might be a complete lie, but we at least have the exception to the rule that how the heck did the Bengals get here? So it's a great story. It does tell you that uh, the college wonder boy is who we thought he was at LSU. Um, He's just, just so cool under pressure, just so matter of fact, just so confident that he expects to win every game. And uh, we've seen enough. um, We've seen enough deer in headlights at quarterback to know he's not that like, uh, like he gets it. He, the game slows down for him. All these, all these things we say about Joe bro, the the Bengals are much more than that, but uh, at its core, it does tell you it's a quarterback league. And if you get your guy, uh, who knows what might happen, especially this isn't the NHL or the NBA or Major League Baseball where you got to win 16 games to win it all. 
you got to win three, sometimes four games to win it all in this league. You just have to get into the tournament, and Joe Burrow gives you a chance like many of these big-time quarterbacks give you that chance. So the Bengals have a problem, of course, and we know it, that uh, their offensive line is, is garbage. And uh, a big part of their defense isn't very good either. And it kind of tells you the Bengals are a couple years away. And they are. If you check the blueprints, they're a couple years away. They need a couple more drafts. They need a couple more difference-making players. They have some, but probably not enough. And so the Bengals have a puncher's chance, we would say, to win this game. And there are two reasons they can win. One, Joe Burrow has more 50-yard passes than anybody in the NFL this year, which says him and Jamar Chase can hit home runs, and they often do. Um, And so... I'm sure the Rams are trying to figure out how to keep that from happening, but Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow have made it happen against a lot of teams that tried to keep it from happening. So they got that puncher's chance. And, and the Rams are banged up on the back end. Yes. Rap and, you know, no doubt. And uh, Fuller and, and that yeah. crew. Uh, and two, Matt Stafford will throw you a ball or two on Sunday. And if you can catch them, Jaquiski Tart, if you can uh, take advantage of them and get them back to the house. Uh, that can flip a game. Um, we often say special teams uh, could could be that equalizer like the 49ers at Lambeau. Um, but, but I think in this game, it might come from Stafford short-circuiting once or twice a game like he always has and always will. And when he does, what do you do with it? Does it hit you right in the numbers, hit you in the hands and fall to the ground? Or do you uh, make a play? So the Joe Burrow home run and the Matt Stafford meltdown are still in play. That said, Every other thing tells you the Rams should win this game. Um, I desperately want Randy to be happy because um, I'll, I'll never forget that night in July when I was, uh, <laughs> when I was uh, in Milwaukee to see a title by my team in my town. It was so glorious. I, I cried. I, I cried, and I don't mind admitting I cried. And I also, don't beautiful. Mind, I also don't mind admitting I will never have another sports moment that can compare to that. Like, that's uh, – yes. That's the top of Everest. And so I want this for you. I really do. I I don't know if it's Sunday, uh, but I hope it is. That said, from being a man of science and a man of film, um, there are a lot of matchup problems on both sides of the ball that are not good for Cincinnati to a point where if the spread is still like three and a half or four, is that what it is? Our our good friends at DraftKings have it currently at four and a half. Yeah, I feel like that's Rams all day for me. I, I, I think the Rams, in, in a game that is played, uh, you know, many, many times for, for to, to grow our sample, I would say the least likely outcome or the most likely outcome for me is, is the Rams by like 10, uh, something, something along those lines. Uh, they have a matchup uh, advantage on both sides of the ball. Uh, but most importantly, it would go back to that Rams defense against the Bengals offensive front, which we saw the Titans just ragdoll and, uh, and, and just uh, destroy. And we even saw the Chiefs have great success against it. So I guess, you know, if you go back to that Titans game and you say, I have no idea how the Bengals won, but they did. So full credit to them. And then you go to the Chiefs game and you're like, I have no idea how the Bengals won, but they did. So full credit to them. Who's to say they can't do it a third time, right? So, right. but, but otherwise, uh, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey, heck, even Eric Weddle right out of a 24 hour fitness back onto the field, making plays against the Niners. 
it's a it's a tough fit for the Bengals here. Is it tougher than going into Arrowhead? No, it's not. So I'm going yeah. to give you I'm going to give you a nice uh, a nice glass of uh, hope and optimism here, and I hope uh, I hope it uh, goes down smooth. But uh, the ability to uh, stop the Rams um, offense, there was a window in November between Robert Woods blowing out his knee and uh, and Odell Beckham getting acclimated. But yep. I feel I feel like that window has passed. And, uh, and just overall, the X's and O's in this game uh, really like the Rams for me, like 31 to 20 or something like that. The Rams losing Woods, I don't think, can be overstated. I agree. And, you know, I think Van Jefferson filled in rather admirably, and they've used Higby more and obviously Beckham. But, but yeah, I mean, Woods was like the fulcrum of that whole, that whole thing. Yeah, and he's then, a stud. And then their run game's been kind of sketchy. Right. Late too. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, Acres definitely isn't all the way back, and they they they're super random with how they use Sony Michelle. Yeah, and their guard center guard is not great. You know, the interior yeah. of that offensive line is not great, and the Bengals do have an extremely underrated DJ Reader in there, and uh, mm-hmm. even BJ Hill. They're okay. Uh, I, and I love obviously Hendrickson and Hubbard are are, are very uh, underrated, or at least were when the playoffs started, and. And uh, my guy Jesse Bates back there at safety is awesome. But, he's uh, going to have to have a big, big game, I think. Yes, right. yes, he is. And, and he's capable of it. But, uh, but uh, there's, there's too many things. And, and really, not to, not to restart a fight with you two uh, amongst <laughs> each other, um, but that is uh, can Zach Taylor uh, make sure that he doesn't get too conservative in this situation because I think the way they started that chiefs game was very bothersome. And I think when you get to the super bowl on one hand, you're going to say the whole world is watching me. So let me not do anything stupid that colors my perception the rest of my career. But on the other hand, I'm at the freaking super bowl. Let's roll these bones out here and let's try to go win this thing big. And so that's a little bit like McVeigh the, the first time he was in the Super Bowl. That's right. right. That's you right. Know, super low scoring, super conservative, kind of trying to, you know, play in not to lose. That's right. Bit, right. That's right. I, yeah. Uh, and I, 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 I think the degree of difficulty, though, facing Taylor and I, I think it it showed up in the beginning of the Kansas City game is on the heels of seeing Burrow sack nine times and under yeah. immense pressure. It's It's threading that needle between like, let's not have him taking so many shots early in the game, you know, getting him into the game without, without running yeah. for his life early. It's, Absolutely. I don't think there's like a, an easy answer to that. Um, but I, I, mean, I some do- of that though, is like them, them, you know, and, and this was part of my criticism of Zach Taylor. It was like them throwing to the flats a little bit more, throwing those bubble screens, throwing those quick, those quick routes. And he finally seemed to start doing that against Kansas city. Yeah, you gotta have, gotta have that quick game going, and you, and you know that might be a uh, opportunity for Tyler Boyd. Uh, Uzoma, I believe, is going to give it a go, but he uh, says both, he's going to play. But you know, both both tight ends are pretty compromised right now physically, but uh, they're going to try, which which is good because Cincinnati doesn't have much behind him at that spot, no. and they love and they love eleven personnel uh, almost as much as the Rams do. Yeah, I, I mean. Oh God, Ramsey against Chase is going to be delicious. Um, I thought T Higgins, I I went back and watched that Kansas city game. Some of the catches, you know, in the moment, I didn't appreciate them as much as, you know, he he pulled in some difficult balls in some big spots. I have a quiet postseason up until then. And then, 
yeah. you know, kind of exploded. He's a, he's a stud, good value. Yeah. I, I, I got, he was one of my uh, draft uh, fights uh, of which there are many, but, but I just, uh, T Higgins is where I draw the, drew the line. I don't think he drawed the line, but I drew the line at uh, we need to stop discounting six, four wide receivers because all of our new favorite ones are built like Devonte Smith. Like, okay, I get, I like speed, but let's not forget, you know, 80 years of the NFL being okay with six, four, two thirty. That's that's dude, no great same deal. deal. Like that Michael Pittman dude that the Colts yes. picked up or yes. uh, Drake London this year out of USC, like 100%. same deal. I'm like, you need that guy on your squad, you know, especially if you don't have a great tight end. Yep. That's, that's exactly right. Uh, so I'm not saying uh, there's tons of Michael Irvins out there, but uh, there's still a place in this world for them. Bob, I'll say the one other thing that we didn't quite touch on where I see uh, a clear advantage for the Bengals is in the kicking game. And I, I think McPherson, you know, we talk about how, you know, how did the Bengals beat the Titans and, and even how yeah. did they beat the Chiefs? It can't be overstated just how good he has been this postseason. 12 for 12, uh, a number from beyond 50 yards. I, I will take him over Matt Gay, uh, you know, perhaps stealing three points here or there. Yeah, and uh, a, a, maybe the cockiest kicker in the league, right? He's, <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he's, he's like a Joe Burrow kicker. I like it. I like which, it very much. Which I think is like when, when you talk about beyond just the numbers is like what, what does Burrow do for a franchise in a locker room is, man, he, he, he instills and lets guys have that confidence in him is, is what it looks like from the outside. Yeah, right? no, when, I – when your kicker is, is getting that cocky, a rookie kicker, right? Like that's, I think that's a direct line from kind of the tone that Burrow is, is setting in, in those, within those walls. Well, and this, and this is what I go back to with Dak, uh, if I may bring it full circle, is, is I need Dak to be the thermostat, not the thermometer. You know what I'm saying? And Joe, like Burrow, Joe Burrow is already that guy. Like set the tone for the team. Don't. Yeah. Don't react to the team, and I think Dak has always been a little passive in his uh, in his uh, you know grab this game by the scruff of the neck stuff. Whereas Joe Burrow was born that way, and and so you know the first time I saw Burrow was that seven overtime game at College Station, and uh, and you know I didn't know what I was looking at at the time, but uh, but uh, just gutsy as heck every time you see him play and and uh and, and like i said i hope he's your Giannis man because if he is uh, uh you're entering uh the the greatest decade uh, of your sports fandom because it's pretty awesome when you get one of those guys and when when uh, the sports gods decide to give one of our ignored upper midwest cities uh, <laughs> a, a sports genius it's great especially yeah. randy you're gonna get you're gonna get crushed by ram's twitter for uh your mac gay take i I ran they like him. They ago. like oh, him. They love it. He's yeah, pretty good too. I mean, I know he's got a good percentage. I listen. My thing is, mm, we'll see. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I guess that's more commentary on like McPherson's been, yeah. <laughs> like behind Burrow. Like maybe, well, you know, it's like he's been one of the MVPs of, of, of the postseason for sure. He's money, man. He, like, oh, yeah. There's very little question of whether that kick's going in with him. And and as a uh, as a Green Bay enthusiast, let me just say that uh, I, I know the value of a kicker and, uh, and, and I screamed uh, over and over again at my team, just ignoring the Mason Crosby problem because he's great friends with Aaron yeah. and uh, boy, wasn't, wasn't that worth a lot when he was uh, kicking a field goal right into the uh, chest of a 49ers block, you know, uh, in that, in that game right before halftime, that probably cost them the, 
I don't want to get into it. Hey, I got one thing for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to thank the entire NLU world, but more specifically the trap draw for your goals podcast of a month and a half ago. And I'm not even lying. Uh, that one got me going like, like, uh, I, I, I'm not here to, uh, to suggest that, uh, you guys make, uh, uh, have made my life better uh, as in, in terms of the day-to-day husband, father, uh, human, uh, all this sort of thing. But hearing you guys kind of hash out goals, I've always kind of thought New Year's resolutions are corny, but uh, then you recouch it as goal. Like all you did is just change the word. Let's of be course. honest. Oh yeah, of course. But I fell for it and uh, it inspired me to put my own list together. And, uh, and, I'm, and I feel like a month in, I'm a new man. I kind of- What do you got? Yeah, uh, share some. Yeah. All right, let me uh, let me bring up uh, the notes here real fast. Oh, it's, it's down on paper. I like it. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I go to this on a regular basis. Uh, so so the uh, the goals uh, is to get back into Spanish. So I, you know, uh, 10 years ago, I was really up in the Spanish game and I just let it stop once we got done with our uh, time living in Honduras. So I, so I uh, stopped, uh, stopped it, but I'm back on the Spanish horse and I'm, uh, I, I feel like I need to be fluent because I'm going to live in uh, California when I uh, retire. And uh, I feel like Spanish is big in Texas and California. Anyway, that's not important. Yes. So Spanish, uh, the masterclass one, I forgot who had that. Was that DJ? It was DJ, yeah. Okay, I'm going to stop paying for masterclass if I'm never going to turn it on. So I'm, <laughs> so now now I'm halfway through Malcolm Gladwell's uh, teaching writing, so I'm liking that. Oh, beautiful. He hates golf, so, you know. Yeah, boy, he does, especially in L.A., right? Yeah. yeah. Bob, but, uh, Bob, I have a I, – I have to send you a link to – do you know George Saunders? Uh, I heard the, the name. Author. I don't – Oh, he's got, I'll, I'll off air. He's got a, a newsletter kind of program that you can sign up for. Okay. Essentially like a class along the same lines. I think you would love it. So, okay. Sorry. Nice. Yeah. Continue. Uh, I need to do yoga 100 times this year. We're up to nine. Uh, Hell yeah. every time, every time I do yoga, I say, this is great for me. Why don't I do it more? But yeah. now it's on, now it's on a list on my iPhone notes. So I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to do it at least 10 times. Do you go uh, into a class or do you do it? like no. off the internet kind of just follow no, I, I've, I've gone to a few classes and i realized uh six four two thirty is not for yoga class uh i don't know about you randy if you're brave no, enough good i've for you. been to some but yes I, I definitely stick out like a sore thumb yeah yeah it's a it's a lot of really flexible girls and not that there's anything wrong with that that's just not me uh and uh and, and two more uh i'm gonna take uh, some some uh trips just with my teenage boys because i feel like all of our family trips are family trips totally different vibe but i feel like the father-son thing gets lost in the equation a little bit and we're watching mm-hmm. tv so i i'm taking them to new york city for spring break fired up about that we're just nice. gonna nice. We're just going to be dudes being dudes. And uh, then the last one, in honor of uh, you guys, I'm going to walk 18 at least 10 times this year. Hell because, yeah. Because I, 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 I have found that golf, for me, has been trying to, trying to get a round done as fast as I could, and that's not the point. No, that's not – yeah. That, then you just feel like you're – yeah, that's not the mindset. That's, right. that's Yeah. It's going to take as long as it takes. I'm going to, yeah. my legs are going to feel it the next day. That's fine. That it just needs to happen. Uh, it's a little tough in North Texas. You got to pick your spots on when you're going to walk 18. Uh, yeah. So you, so you don't pass out on uh, 13 of dehydration, but uh, we're going to make it happen 10 times. Yeah. Golf needs to be a vehicle to get away. That's, that's right. Just, 
you know, I think so. Not to scroll what, your phone in your cart. What's your uh, What's your California? Uh, so the co- the Cowboys camp has been in uh, Oxnard, Ventura, yeah. and uh, Ventura is what thirty miles north of Malibu, thirty miles south of Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. and it's pretty close to Ojai. Yeah. Ojai, so, like the center of the maze. Dude, and so Ventura yeah. for me has always been that price point that I think I could pull off, but also it has all the between the mountain and the water that perfect 60 yeah. low of 59, high of 74 type world I want to live in, and it's that way 12 months a year. Yeah, so I mean, look, California has its own challenges, its own wildfires, and things, its own droughts, but. The, the golf courses are sweet. Uh, the climate is, if you want to wear flip-flops or a hoodie or it's both. So, and it's so chill. Like, nobody judges you either. Like, it, right. especially that part of California. That's right. And then uh, Sandpiper is sweet. In fact, uh, I, I walked 18 in Sandpiper uh, back at, during Cowboys camp and found it. I'm like, wow, you know what? Walking around to golf when it's only 68 degrees is not impossible. So. Yeah. So you better get in now with Sam Piper because I know Tom Doak's coming in to redo it. The Beanie oh, Baby guy bought it. Ty is Warner. that right? Yeah, oh, I didn't yeah. know this. Okay, yeah. but they got they got Rustic Canyon, they got Soul yeah. Park. Yeah, yeah. You guys know the tracks out there. In yeah. fact, you I mean, those are the two best values in America. In well, opinion. you'll be you'll be a member at the Valley Club in no time, Bob. Well, I, you'll I, be a man I, about I, time, a dude, man about town. We're gonna shovel all this Fox money and athletic money into a bin that says membership at a very, uh, very nice SoCal uh, track. So we're gonna try to get well, it done. Listen, if you need help with finances, I know you know cost of living can be expensive. If you have an extra room, I would be very open to perhaps renting that from you. Okay, and, sweet. And we could be roommates and yeah, That'd golf buddies. Yeah, maybe playing a. You could bounce 60, takes off of me. Yeah. Maybe a 60 or over basketball league by of, then or something. Of course. But, uh, okay. Of course. We'll get that. We'll get that done. We'll, we'll run Southern California. Beautiful. Real quick before we go, I got to get, I mean, people have been asking what's the reaction to this Kings Pacers blockbuster for both <laughs> of you guys. Uh, for me, I've always learned that if you're going to do a trade, you got to get the best player. And I, I, Sabonis has value. There's no question, but Halliburton is where it's at. He, uh, he has a very high ceiling for me. He's of that age where you don't know where he's going to look, what he's going to look like when he's 24, but you can see at 21, there's a lot to like. I don't get the Kings putting him on the market. And I think the Pacers got the best player out of the deal. So uh, I I'm, I'm, I'm heavy on the Pacers for that trade. I can't believe they pulled it off. It shocked me. Uh, I really, really watching Halliburton was one of the joys of watching a lot of Kings basketball. He's got a feel for the game, high IQ, loves the game of basketball. Uh, a little bit nebbish. A little bit nebbish. Uh, a little bit nebbish. Uh, listen, not great defensively yet. Um, I, I think the more I read and thought about it, you know, if the Kings, I think Fox probably wasn't going to bring back value because of the contract. He's having a bit of a down year. Mitchell's a little bit raw still. Um, I think if they, if they wanted to shake things up and if they wanted a real player in return, Halliburton was the guy to trade. Um, I think Sabonis is really good. I think over the next two years, just offensive output, he's probably better than Halliburton. I think he's the best player Fox has played with. Um, yeah, it's a big swing. I, I, 
I'm willing to wait and see what else they do, what other moves they make. Uh, it's it's definitely a new course, but it stings to give up a guy like Halburn. He he just is a joy to watch, an easy guy to cheer for. Um, you know, I, I wish him nothing but the best in Indiana. I mean, he's going to have a, a, a heck of an NBA career. He just feels like a 15, 18-year veteran type guy. Okay, You're burying the lead here, too. They got rid of Heald. Which is like the, and, the you know the and that, I don't that, that's to, an asset in and of and itself. I don't have to watch Buddy anymore. God, he just drove me crazy. Like was flipping that deal? Was that the entire driver of the of the whole thing? No, were they that I, desperate to move his contract? No, I think people are sleeping on how good Sabonis is. I, no, I, no, no, he's he's I, really I, good. I, I'd flip Porzingis for Sabonis right now. Uh, yeah. I, I think you know the the big question now for the Kings is you only have Sabonis for two years right now, so. It's it's got to have to work with Fox. Hopefully they resign him. You know a lot of uncertainties. Um, I I think ultimately it was just you know they've they've committed to Fox financially. You have Mitchell, and I think they felt like obviously Halburn was movable for a bona fide, really really good offensive player, which they got in Sabonis. Um, I think Sabonis may have an influencer girlfriend on the gram. I think as I recall. Like, well, that's cool. Bring her to he, Sacramento. He's doing some ridiculous dances on the gram, as I recall. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, you can always tell the guy who uh, really likes his girl because she has them participating in, sure. in dances that feature her. Um, he's given into that. So I don't know what that tells you about a scouting report, if that's the type of guy you want to build around. But uh, well, I, I, I love I loved his old man. I mean, Arvidas was sure, you know, as, as good that? as good as it gets. Um, well, that's, I mean, like, is that something too, where they're trying to, they think that that Eastern European guy, like that plays in Sacramento, except on the for heels Luka. of a, a Vlade Divac yeah. or someone like that, you know, to kind of, <laughs> we'd rather have Bagley than Luca, but otherwise we want some Eastern I European. <laughs> I know. Um, Bob, we'll have to get you back on to talk more in depth NBA. I, I know you, you have actually your own show to do this afternoon. Uh, I do. We we got to get TC's prediction though on the way out. I don't think TC gave us a Super Bowl prediction. I I'm let me just say I recusing. I, I well no no I'm, I'm just incapable of making a, a right. level headed uh, prediction. So you, of course my my heart everything says I'm rooting for the Bengals. Okay, so you're not you're not quite like me with the Bucks because I thought the Bucks were going to lose every single game during that playoff run. So but so you're actually well that's how the Bengals are full of optimism. Or well, no, are you I think like, the Rams are better. The Rams should win, but I, you know I, I but it's I'm, just like, I, I'm choosing to believe in the magic of okay, Burrow. I think good. they find a way. Because it's a coping mechanism where I never wanted my heart to be too broken. So I would say the Nets are going to kill us. Oh, uh, Giannis just blew out his knee. Oh, the Hawks are going to kill us. The Sun, oh, the Suns have gone up too. Oh, they're going to. So I, I was coping the whole time because I, I couldn't risk my heart. Right. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy that you are uh, more vulnerable than I am. No, I mean, you, you laid out exactly why the Rams are, you know, on paper should probably win, right? They, they win six, seven times out of 10, but I'm hoping it's. You know, Sunday isn't Me one too. of those Same. isn't one I, yeah. of those outcomes. I think I actually, I think I picked Niners Bengals in the you Super did. Bowl. Yeah. You um, did. That said, like after seeing what the Rams did to the to the Niners offensive line, like I mean Donald, like by the midway through the third quarter, like they were absolutely wrecking shit, um, and not just Donald and and Floyd and Vaughn, like they, you know, the, like Greg Gaines uh, is nice. Yeah, 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 like just 
you know, just solid, like not, not doing a bunch of blitzing and everything, just, you know, rushing for right. kind of thing. So uh, I think McVay brings it. I think, I think the Rams, Rams waltz. There it is. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back John and I next week. Um, I think we just got to do a, a Super Bowl reaction show. Uh, Bob, my brother-in-law and sister are, are headed out to Los Angeles Friday. They won the opportunity to buy tickets through their Bengals season tickets. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, my, my brother-in-law good bar will be out there. Um, what's the face on those? I think they were like 1600, 1300. Yeah. A bargain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, listen, once, once in a lifetime, um, dude, that is he's so just going to do it. I mean, I, I gotta say, I know you're trying to get rid of me and no, no, I'm, I'm more, no, like, yeah. I know you have yeah. places. No, to well, I, 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 <laughs> I do, but I just, I just want to say this to every single person out there. If you have a team that you actually care about and you're not some Lakers, uh, Yankees, Cowboys fan who, uh, you know, trying to figure out which of your championships uh, you, is your favorite. If you're the person that dreams of that one shining moment, you will take it to your blanking grave if you don't go. So just know to yourself, and I'm sorry, Randy, if you're conflicted right now about this game on Sunday actually attending, but I, I, I made the choice in 2010 that uh, because I, I broke a promise to myself in 96 with Favre and the Packers yeah. that, uh, that I said I would go, and then I had just been married, and I didn't have any money, so I said, ah, I'll do it. I'll go next time. And there wasn't a next time, Randy. So yeah. when, when Rodgers uh, went on their run, the NFC title game was in Chicago, and I dropped everything and went. And then I, uh, then the Super Bowl was in Dallas, and I went to that as well. And uh, and I probably thought there, Rogers is going to go to a bunch more Super Bowls. Right. I'll go to those too. It never happened. And then so so that taught me that doggone it, this Giannis thing, I will be there. I will be at Game Six no matter what. It actually worked out wonderfully, but I was there. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 let me tell you, there's no couch you can buy. There's no uh, freaking uh, you know <laughs> uh, SUV you can buy that you will treasure as much as investing in a chance to see it with your own eyes and and cry as you're watching the 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 the, the confetti come down. So you got to do it if you're ever if you're ever not sure whether you should uh, invest in your own life experiences for that one shiny moment. Ah, amen. Amen. I hope people listen. And, and SoFi is sick. I mean, SoFi is like freaking awesome. It looks and, great. And the yeah. halftime show is going to be awesome. I think. Dude. Yes. I, I think it's going to be one of the, maybe the better ones. And uh, it's so long. Yeah. Yeah. If they want to sign them to an annual contract where they do the halftimes moving forward, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Well, Bob, Bob uh, last question I got, and it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a yes or no answer. I don't want you to get into it. <laughs> Is is Aaron Rodgers back in Green Bay next year? Yes. Okay. okay. All right. Should he be? Should I want it to happen? <laughs> These are all different answers, uh, TC. But but I, I do think at this point, um, I do think he's back. Uh, although okay. I I also think the smarter answer might be to flip him and see how much Denver will give. Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. Well, That's Bob- the best thing to do on a yes or no question is like five yeah. words. Of course. I love it. Bob, uh, love having you. You you are a ray of sunshine for all of us here at NLU. Uh, we, we love following you. We're, we're very honored and privileged to uh, I really call you a friend at this point. So 
thank you for taking time out of what is one of your busiest weeks. Awesome to get to talk to you. And I look forward to what will be, you know, trap draw appearance number three sometime down the road. Man, I love you guys. Uh, I love everything you do. Uh, the trap draw, my strap boys, uh, no offense to the C-suite, but uh, you guys, uh, yeah, you guys are, uh, are, 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 uh, at the, at the center of my NLU universe. Uh, and, 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 uh, I, I love everything you do. So keep it going. It's, it's, it's so great to see you guys, uh, continue to grow. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who 